Stand by to launch FanStream Sports. Let's start. Hello, sports fans. Welcome to FanStream Sports. Nothing. Nothing but pure sports. This is the JP Show. JP, it is so good to hear you back on the air. Stand by. Now, here's JP. All right, welcome in to a Friday edition of the J.P. Peterson Show as we are coming to you live from the TPC of Tampa Bay where the USF football program will have their golf tournament today and fundraiser. Michael Kelly, the athletic director, will join us at 11.30. Much to talk about with Michael Kelly as, uh, boy, college athletics has been turned on its ear. Uh, there are more expansion talks going on, and that's uh, why Michael Kelly, frankly, is here and what he is doing and getting the new stadium for USF. That is the absolute focal point for them moving into a, uh, a big conference as the super conferences are um, heading our way, folks. So get ready for more expansion, more alignment in college athletics and USF positioning itself to move into that upper tier. So we'll talk a lot about that today. We got Bucks Camp to talk about as well. Baker Mayfield spoke yesterday. Kyle Trask spoke yesterday. Sean Tucker spoke yesterday, who uh, is now out there playing and is a very, very interesting player. We'll uh, uh, talk more about him. Uh, lots to get up on on the baseball goal uh, front. There's a new name out there that's being floated to the Rays that has me very, very excited. So we'll get that to that as well. I'll say good morning to you, Nick Geddes, uh, back in our St. Petersburg studios. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Glad to see that you're doing okay over there at the uh, over there in Lutz. I believe you're in for the USF tournament there. It's unlike Bucks camp yesterday. It's hot. It's hot. And I mean. Hot. Yes, hot, I, hot, hot. I can imagine. Me personally, Soupy. I'm glad to be back in the saddle today and get back into swing of things after that after the day off yesterday. So I'm ready to Good get to going here, back, my friend. Absolutely. Good to have you back. Well, um, yeah, we got we got into a little bit yesterday. I was out there at the first couple days of Bucks camp. Um, we're getting some reports already today that, that Baker Mayfield is getting the first team reps today. Uh, he spoke yesterday. We'll get into some of his comments. And I'll just say it as an overview, um, watching both guys do their press conferences yesterday, you know, it's clear that Baker Mayfield is very much in charge. He talks, walks, uh, looks like a starting quarterback in the NFL. That's, you know, a lot of that has to do with his persona, his national persona, the fact that he has started. But that's, he is, you can tell he is a mature professional football player who has been through this before you could tell in his interviews you could tell the way he handles himself out on the course it's it's very evident now that's not to say that you know Kyle Trask has no shot in this because watching Kyle Trask the first couple of days there's no question that he looks like a starting quarterback in the NFL at least to me but this is you know lingerie football out there what they're doing right now they don't have the pads on Um, this is not a regular game it's just practice so there's a long way to go but I think Kyle Trask has come a long way. There's no question about that. He has uh, put himself in squarely into the competition. I think we all kind of defaulted it to Baker Mayfield. It may still be that way to some. Um, kind of a, a light moment yesterday at practice when Todd Bowles was leaving the podium and Baker was coming up. Baker went first, by the way. Uh, seniority, I guess. And the light, and he said, hey, Baker, are you the starting quarterback? <laughs> and we'll hear that sound bite here <clears throat> in a little bit. But... I mean, I, I still do think it is a legitimate competition. That'll help both guys. Uh, we've talked a lot about that. But Baker uh, said some interesting things yesterday and seems to be very much in charge. I don't know I don't know what you got from the interview, but that's what I got. My biggest thing from the Baker Mayfield interview yesterday 
and I say this in a good way, I thought he had a lot of quote-unquote quarterback speak yeah. throughout that 12-minute interview, I believe it was. He's a pro. And he's, that's what I'm saying. I feel like you're seeing the evolution of Baker Mayfield as a pro and the way he's approaching this game mentally and the way he's approaching himself with the media. I'm sure there are questions he gets every day that he'd love to scoff at and say something you know, pretty wise about it. But he sits up there and answers every question, and he gives you the typical, like, it's not like Brady-level cliche. I won't go that far, but it definitely has that kind of, like, cliche type of feel to it. And I feel like a franchise quarterback, that's, like, part of it, no? Like, right. it, it's just, it just seems like a different Baker Mayfield that we're getting this season with the Bucks, And I think a lot of that goes into that he knows that he's made mistakes along the way, both on the field and off the field during his NFL career. I don't think anybody's going to dispute that. He knows that this is his last chance. He has a really good shot of being the starter this year, regardless of what Kyle Trask does. And you can see he's taking it very serious. Being the leader of the team means a lot to him. So that's kind of what I took away in a really unconventional way, is that the, the quarterback speak is actually a really good thing that you're getting out of Baker Mayfield this year. Uh, I agree. I agree. And, and, you know, it's not that you're going to glean a lot from these dif- different press conferences. But, again, it's just part of As you said, it's just part of playing quarterback. And the other part of it is making plays. And uh, I've seen a little bit of that. I mean, the first play of uh, team sc- – not really scrimmage, but team ball uh, on day one was, you know, a 75-80 yard touchdown uh, to, to Kate Otten. I mean, that's a nice way to start your, your, your practice and your training camp off. Um, I don't think enough was made of that. That's clearly a play that they've been waiting to put on the defense, and it worked to perfection. And he can and he can make those plays, and he's that kind of guy. Now, you know, as we've talked about, Kyle Trask is going to have to step up and make big throws all throughout practice, and not turn the ball over. And he did turn the ball over yesterday in goal line. Servassier, Dennis had a pick six that would have gone up for a hundred yards. Again, we're, this kid. We're okay with plays. that. We're okay with yeah. Servassier Dennis. If somebody's going to make a play on defense at the expense of one of these quarterbacks, I'm okay with it being Servassier Dennis, who I'm, continues I'm to flash. You. I like yeah. it. I kind of with you. Maybe that's why Devin White's practicing. Mm. Mm. Maybe somebody's Com- breathing down his neck. You know. Yeah. Competition makes everybody better. That's the that's the good part about it. So. Um, Listen, I, I, I just love being out there. I've got to be out there the past couple of days. I'll be out there some more, obviously, next week as this team starts coming together. I, and uh, Yeah, I did want to ask you a question real quick because obviously you could, you could answer this more than I could. Uh, I've seen a lot of people that have been attending Bucks camps and they've been talking about the vibe out there and that it's completely different from what we've seen out there for the last, you know, I guess two years, excluding the COVID year, obviously, where nobody was really out there. Do you kind of pick up that vibe that here on the other side of Tom Brady, it feels like there's a different vibe at camp? Yeah, there's no question there's a different vibe. And I think it's it's more of a um, kind of a team vibe. You know, listen, when, when 12 was out there, it, all eyes were on him. Everything revolved around him. Every question was about them. Hell, we're still getting questions about Tom Brady uh, to Todd Bowles yesterday. And um, I, I think he's probably tired of hearing it, to be quite honest. And, and, he, I, and he made a point to say in, when those questions were asked yesterday, you know, this is not about Tom. This is a whole new culture. This is a whole new team. Um, you know, people want to talk about the residue that he left. You know, I, I don't think there is much, to be quite honest with you, because last year it left, left a bad taste in everybody's mouth um, about 
Tom Brady. The way he played, the way he handled himself, I think it was very different from the first two years. Last year was completely dysfunctional. You saw it, uh, the results on the field, and I think it was in the vibe of the team, to be quite honest. And it started from training camp. You know, almost day one, Ryan Jensen goes down, Brady's out the next day, nobody really knows why, then he's out for 12 days, and it's just, it, it never, never recovered. This, this has a much better feel to it. There are no major injuries to talk about. You know, Russell Gage isn't practicing. What else is new? Um, no, you know, Ryan Jensen didn't practice yesterday, but he's kind of on a schedule. Um, Bowles addressed that yesterday. I don't think that's a big deal yet. Um, you know, obviously his treatment was a little bit different. We talked about this yesterday with the stem cells, but, you know, I, I don't think Ryan Jensen would be uh, risking his career. If, if this, if he didn't feel this was going to work and he wasn't already healthy, I mean, he's the first one to come back at the end of a season and play in an actual game. Um, I mean, that 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 should say enough about where 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 he's at. Yeah. So, and I was going to say too, like to the stem cells things. I've I've done like you know more research on the stem cells to try to understand it, and I've heard a lot of people talk about it that have had it before. And I think you've had stem cells too, correct? Yes. And I, I, I mean, I've heard before, and I don't know if this is something that's going on with Jensen. I don't want to speculate too much, but. I've heard, you know, you get the stem cells and after a few months in some cases, like they start to kind of wear off a little bit and they might sometimes in cases be like short-term fixes. So maybe that would kind of explain, like if he wasn't completely like, let's just say Ryan Jensen's not 100%, even though he came back and played in a playoff game and you might think, oh, well, that was eight months ago. He should be ready to roll and he should be out there every right. day. This stuff is so new and so innovative that it kind of treats everybody that, you know, you think I'm kind of like, am I coming off like the right way there, you think, with the stem cells? Because I hear people talk about that all the time, is sometimes they don't, they're not as effective in a long term as they are in the short term sometimes. Well, I think when you talk about long term, because I could, I could speak, you know, anecdotally to my situation. I got them done six years ago, and right now I'm starting to feel the pain that I had six years ago, right. but it lasted six years. So, and the initial um, relief and restructure of my knees was nothing short of phenomenal. So I think when you're talking long-term, I think you're talking more six, seven, eight years down the line. Um, then you, you get, uh, you know, you get a tune-up, so to speak, in the stem cells. And this is, listen, I, you know, this has never been done before. Right. Let's be honest. We reported on this last year. We were the one to break this story. And I've obviously done a lot of research on this, having done it myself in the knees. And this is way different. I mean, I, mine was more of long-term, you know, old man damage, you know, for, for over, over the years. And it re, it, what it does is rebuild the cartilage, rebuilds the tissue, rebuilds that, that area in the joint, and it takes the pain away. His is, is actually repairing, you know, torn ligaments that were actually torn and re, re, resourcing those um, with, your, with your stem cells or embryonic stem cells, as, as the case may be. So, yeah, it's all new, but the results that they've gotten are, have been tremendous. So, but we don't know. We don't know. It is, it is an unknown, and I think that's one of the reasons the Bucks are being careful. And there's really no reason for Ryan Jensen to be right. going hard right now. Um, you know, even though it's a new offense for him, he's, you know, he's a seasoned pro, and he's getting all the mental reps that he needs. Um, there's just no no sense right now in him practicing on an everyday basis. He's a veteran. He would normally be getting veteran days off anyway. So I don't think it's a big deal at this point. But again, it is an unknown. There's no question it is an unknown. Um, we we know what happens with guys when they get you know typically with uh, ACL repairs they'll take a cadaver and and put a whole new ACL in there and attach it to the bone and then it grows in. They grow the strength. They rehab it. 
Um, this is a much different thing. With stem cells, those, those torn ligaments repair themselves to their original form. Or so that is the, the yeah. um, you know, simplistically speaking, that's the, that's the concept. So which is better? We're going to find out. Yeah. <laughs> this in, is- in, a, in the grand scheme of things, again, like you said, there's no reason for him to be out there going super hard at this point through training camp. I mean, do I need – there's a reason why he's, it's, he's in the predicament he's in in the first place. Remember what happened last year? You had a rookie probably going a little too hard. And during the first day of training camp, well, what happens? Ryan Jensen gets, gets hurt, and he's gone for the rest of the season. We saw how that went. Just look at what happened yesterday around the league. Jalen Ramsey, the big acquisition for the Dolphins, yep. goes down with a non-contact knee injury. And it sounds like he's going to have quite the recovery. The Dolphins aren't going to have him potentially for half the season. So now their big acquisition is not going to be on the field for half the season, potentially. You saw what happened with Joe Burrow goes down. And I think everybody, not just in Cincinnati, but the NFL world went, oh, my goodness, Joe Burrow. And you immediately point to, oh, did he just tear his Achilles? Did he tear his ACL? And fortunately, it sounds like it's a calf issue and it won't be as serious. But still, there's the point, though. It's way too early. We're not even in pads yet. And if you're not 100% to go and you're coming off a major injury, there is no need to push it at all right now for this team. They've got to stay healthy. He's had a torn ACL. Correct. Um, that's the same knee. So that's that's and he had the conventional surgery. And it, it's just going to be interesting because, you know, well, the reason Ryan Jensen went the route he went is because he wanted to come back back and play with Tom Brady in his last season. And the only way that was going to happen was through stem cells. And it worked. He came back and played in a playoff game the same year. What six months? Five and a half, five and a half months later. Six yep. months later. I mean, that's unprecedented. That's never been done before with his injury. So stem cells work better. If had, had he gotten surgery, there's no way he would have been back. No way. So in that case, stem cells did something that's never been done before. So I, I would say that's a positive. And I was, I, I'll be honest with you, I was shocked to see him not practicing yesterday. And again, uh, hopefully he'll, he'll talk about this in his rehab. But to me, it may just be being super cautious. Like, there's really no reason for him to be going yeah. every day at this point anyway. So I'm not, I'm not going to be alarmed about it, but I'm, you know, I'm going to be objective about it to say that this has never been done before. We don't know. But the early returns are good, right? No one's ever done what he did last year, come back. And I, w- I would be thinking right now the first call that Jalen Ramsey is making if he does have a torn ACL is to, uh, to, to Ryan Jensen to say, hey, Tell me what you did. Tell me how it worked. Is there a way I can actually come back and play this season? So, um, and I don't know what his specific injuries, if it's as bad as Ryan's or what have you, but all of this, all of this stem cell recovery stuff is new. And and at the highest level in professional football, this is going to be the test lab to see how these injuries are treated in the future. And this may be the future of treating these type of injuries. Nobody knows. But so far... What Ryan Jensen did, the proof that we have so far, what Ryan Jensen did has never been yeah. done yeah, before. And, and I just checked it, too, because this just came out actually uh, literally like in the last five minutes we've been talking about it. Jalen Ramsey, Mike McDaniel said he's having surgery on a non-contact meniscus injury today at 1 okay. o'clock. So right. there you go. There's the official diagnosis on Jalen Ramsey. And, and, and by the way, there's the, most of these injuries are healed um, – with with the hybrid of the two so even guys that are getting the acl repairs the total surgery they then wrap those tissues in stem cells i have a friend of mine that works in this industry i should get him on the on the air to talk more specifically about this so they they wrap the 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 injury in stem cells or they inject stem cells the embryonic stem cells to help the healing process 
So it's so it's kind of a hybrid approach. Um, it's all new. It's all new, and, and, and everything. And Ryan Jensen is kind of on the the, the precipice of, of what we'll see in the future, and we'll see how it works. Um, they, I, I know this. They plan on him, you know, being there day one, starting. Right. And and by the way, Robert Hainsey is a big man. He has gotten bigger, and I and if he's not playing center, which I don't think he will, I think Ryan Jensen's going to start the season. He needs to be playing. Um, and and I, I looked at Cody Mock this last couple of days. He's very athletic, not huge, not a big guy. He's you know he's a little over three hundred pounds, but he's not the size of Robert Hainsey. So if they're looking for size, you know I, I think this this right side of the line is going to be a work in progress with Gedeke, uh and right now Cody Mock. Um, I think it's right as, as I look at it, the weakness of the team. It is the right side of the line. I, I said and it. I said it on Wednesday. If anything was going to, you know, alter this team's path this season, it's going to be the right side of that line because the Shaq Mason loss, I think, is a really big deal that nobody has really kind of dived into. I understand there were cap reasons for why they had to do it, but they knew they were going to get weaker there. And I feel like you know, small school O linemen coming into the league, there's always going to be an adjustment and. You know, maybe if Cody Malk was playing next to Tristan Wirfs at right tackle, you'd feel better about it. But he's playing next to Gedeke, right. who doesn't, who has what one start under his belt? Not, I don't even yeah. know if it was actually even a start. I think it was a second half that he got there at right tackle last year. No, he start, he started against Atlanta. Right. So then yeah. he's got one start under his belt at right tackle, and that's it. Against a team with the worst pass rush in a basically meaningless game. Right. And I, and whereas I think Hainsey is very versatile on that line, where he could play any of the guard positions and center as well, and. You know, the experience that he got playing last year, and I thought held his own more often than not, I would think you'd want that guy playing for you at right guard, in my opinion, because of the experience factor, and you can have somebody that's played in this league for a full season next to Luke Gedeke, whereas you go in with, a again, two small school O-linemen with not a lot of experience. That has the potential to blow up, and let's say that we get three or four games in the season, it's not working out, then you turn to Todd Bowles, and how quick is he going to be to adjust? Because remember last year, it took him, what, seven weeks to adjust to Luke Gedeke at left guard? Yes, yes. So that it all comes back to Todd Bowles then at that point of how assertive, which is the word we've been using this week to describe Todd Bowles, how assertive are you going to be in making a change and not letting things snowball? But absolutely, that is to me number one concern I have with this team at the moment is the right side of the offensive line. You know, that's a great point you make, and I thought it was really the undoing of the season last year. Right? When, when Ryan Jensen went down, what was the first thing I said? Go get somebody. You know, this is Brady's last year. you got to go get an experienced center out there um, to, to play. And, and that, that would have moved Hainsey to left guard, and Gedeke wouldn't have started. But they felt that they were good, and they were going to go with the, with the young rookie. That turned out to be a really, really bad decision. Um, and I, I don't know who they could have gotten at that particular time. There were some people out on the market, some good players, uh, certainly with experience and starting experience. Would that have been a difference maker? I don't know, but what they did was wrong. It didn't work out correctly. They had to replace him with, with Nick Leverett, who, who upped his game and played much better, and you know that was a bad decision. And yep. so are we witnessing another bad decision here in terms of offensive line by starting these two guys? Because you, you got the rookie in Mock, Okay, and then you've got basically a rookie in Gedeke, uh, who I know he played last year, but he certainly didn't play right tackle, and he didn't play well. And you've got you've got veterans here on this team that can fill those spots. And I, so 
I mean, if it's me right now, I'm I, Nick Levert at right guard or Austin Stinney and, and Hainsey at right tackle. I know they want to use uh, Hainsey in the middle, but he's a he's a proven NFL player, and he's gotten bigger. I, I You know, he's not a prototypical right tackle, but right. I just don't have a whole lot of faith in Gedeke right now. So. Yeah, it's it, it's definitely a long, like not I want to say a long shot that he can succeed there. I'm not going to put that because he did play well in that last game for what it's worth. But it's definitely, I'll say, a big risk to put all your faith into Luke Gedeke. And, it, yeah. and, and it's unfortunately because of what you saw at left guard. And I know the positions are completely different, and it was an adjustment. We talked about it to death, but it's still a, uh, a risk. And, and by the way, of note, Ryan Jensen is back out there today. I'm watching some clips here right now from practice from, uh, from Pewter Report, and he looks to be moving okay. Um, uh, I believe he's got double knee braces, like you said. And I believe, I think I'm seeing here, he might be speaking after practice today. So oh, maybe we'll get some more insight from Ryan Jensen as the show goes on. Yeah, and I spoke to, to Ryan after the playoff game. Um, and we, we played that audio, and I, I talked to him about his rehab. And he didn't go too much into it, but he was, you know, he was, yeah, we did the stem cells. We did the whole thing. It went down um, somewhere in, in South America to get it done, which is not illegal, by the way. It's just... Uh, the FDA has not approved these types of, of procedures here in the United States, although they're being used all over the world. Make of that what you will. Uh, it works, and that's why people and professional athletes are going down there and, and, do, and having to do this. We've had uh, Chris Lugo from Bay Area Modern Medical Center talk about that. He, he uh, works with some, some clinics down there that do this because they can't do it here in the United States, which is just bananas because they're having tons of success with it. But um, We'll hear more from Ryan, and I think we'll get a little bit more insight into um, what he went through. So um, we'll play some of the, we'll hold some of the bucks out for just a little bit later, unless there's some you want to get into right away there. Yeah, we can hold it till later. We got uh, lots of Baker from yesterday, obviously, and a couple things from Trask, but absolutely, we can hold that off to a little bit later if you'd like. All right, I want to get into um, some, some Ray's talk as well. The name that we've been uh, hearing now is a name that gets me excited, and that's Paul Goldschmidt of the Cardinals, a longtime Arizona Diamondback. This is the type of hitter I'm talking about. This is a proven uh, veteran hitter uh, playing for a team in the Cardinals that's going nowhere. He just hit his 17th home run of the season last night. Um, looking at his numbers this year, his war is at 2.8, hitting 283, 55 RBIs, 18, sorry, 18 home runs. Uh, 847 o, uh, OPS and 131 OPS plus. Guy's a legitimate uh, former MVP, seven-time All-Star. What is he? 30 what now? I think he's um, like 35. I want to say 35. And I'm not sure of his contract situation. If you can uh, look that up, I'll get but, that here. Uh, look, this is this is the type of guy that I would love to have. Um, he, he's a proven hitter. He would bring uh, some credibility into that clubhouse, which I think is much needed. He, yeah, not to um, cut you off real quick, but he is on a he's on a five-year, one hundred thirty million dollar deal. However, it's just the rest of this year and then next year. And so, what is it for next year? Next year, it his is. his salary is at twenty six million. So you would definitely have to commit to him being obviously the highest paid player you've ever had by a substantial amount, and you'd get it it's for one more, and you get it for one more year. It's about time. It's about time. Guy's productive. He's a leader. Uh, you know, MVP. This is exactly the guy they need in that clubhouse uh, and in the middle of the lineup. Um, I, I and and if you're saying, well, that's a lot of money. It's not a lot of money for a proven slugger. 
and a guy that can go into the postseason and you can count on to get a big hit. We don't have that guy. We don't have that guy right now. And you put him in the middle of that lineup, and everybody gets better around him. Yeah. And the linebacker, that lineup gets so much thicker immediately. Uh, and, and, again, a presence in the clubhouse for guys like Wander Franco, um, for guys you know, like Randy Arozarena. And who, by the way, was was in the Cardinals organization. They probably didn't play together for any amount of time, maybe a little bit. I don't know if there's a crossover or not. But this is the guy. You know, I, I don't want to be talking about um, some of these other slapdick prospects. We're not interested. We're not interested. This is the big name. This is the guy you go after. This is the guy because you have control of him next year at a big number. But you could. It's a time you spent some freaking money, and they said they were going to spend some freaking money at the deadline. And, and for next year. So what's the drawback? How do you, and, and this is a guy that you give up more prospects for because you're going to have him for next year as well. Yeah, and if you've noticed around the league now, we said that the end of this week is when things are going to really start heating up, and that has certainly happened. There's teams, because there's... The weird thing about the market this year on the trades, you have like so many teams that feel that are just like in kind of like within like four or five games of like the playoffs. It's really kind of bunched up in both the AL and the NL. And so it's not really a big seller's market because these teams still feel like, I mean, look at the Angels. All of a sudden, the Angels have started playing well, and they said, you know what, we're going for it. And they're making trades. They acquired Giolito. And, you know, I saw the Giolito trade, and a lot of people said, oh, well, if this is what they saw the return to the White Sox for Giolito, who's a rental, and they went, wow, if that's going to be the the going rate, then maybe the Rays should stand pat and not overload the farm. But listen... Everybody looked at the fact that the White Sox got the number two and three prospect from the Angel system. But I'm here to tell you, prospects are all not made the same. Because right. if you stuck those two guys into the Rays farm, the number two prospect they gave up would have been like the fifth or sixth prospect for the Rays. Okay? Right. So it's a bit different. And the third guy that went, he's not even in the top 100 when it comes to prospects in MLB. So was wow. it really a steep price? That the Angels paid to go get Lucas Giolito? I would say no. Uh, I did see the report yesterday um, that the price for a Lance Lynn, for whatever reason, is too high, and that may be forcing the Rays to look elsewhere. And personally, I don't have a problem with that. If somebody's going to try to get a Curtis Mead out of me or something like that for a Lance Lynn, respectfully. Not for a Lance Lynn. Exactly. No. I, I would have no problem if you want to trade Curtis no. Mead, but if it's for Lance Lynn. No, hundred percent. No, I think you no. can do a lot better for than Giolito, Lance Lynn. Yes, for Giolito, we can we can talk. It's a maybe, it's yeah, even just a maybe. But for Lance Lynn, no. So if the Rays, I'll give them credit there. If they found out, because it's not just them; it's the Dodgers as well, and I, that's a very well-run organization. So if they're in lockstep that the price is too high, that's fine. You can you can pivot because now you're seeing teams that are starting to kind of decide what they want to do, like the Mets, for example, who I would have to think that almost every asset is probably on the market for them. You saw the move they made yesterday. They traded David Robertson to the Marlins, who, by the way, that's a name I would have liked to have seen in a Rays uniform. A guy who, in his last 100 appearances, is a 2.2 ERA and 34 saves and has pitched in a lot of big games over his career and is a veteran. No doubt about it. He would have been a good name, but that tells me now the Mets are open for business. So then I go look at their roster, and I'm like, okay, well, who's available there? I think probably the Pete Alonzos of the world are probably more so you know, off the market, I'd have to think. I don't think they want to blow it up that big, but, you know, maybe there's some good value on some of these older guys. Um, maybe, who knows if they move the needle, but I think we would agree that the Rays probably need to make two or three moves, whereas just to one. 
So if you can get a veteran guy to plug in the lineup that's better than what you got right now, you take it. But you see what the Padres are doing. It seems like there's the – I saw yesterday, it seems like Hater. it's not a matter of, of if, but when he's going to get dealt. So do the Rays pivot to a Josh Hader and see if they want him to be the big splash in the back of the bullpen? So many scenarios going on, but there's no doubt about it. This weekend it's going to heat up, and I think the Rays are going to be pretty active here. Boy, if, if you had told me right now that we gave up um, you know, two of our top five prospects for Robertson and Goldschmidt, I'd be okay with it. I'd be okay with it because it means you're going for it. You're taking advantage of the start that you had. This team radically needs two very, very um, high-performing players in those two positions. It's a big bat and closer for me. Um, I'm not even – I don't want to trade for Lance Lynn. Unless you're giving me an impact starter, I don't want to make the trade. He's not an impact starter anymore, certainly not this season. Um, well, I, I think the, the, the thought process behind getting another starting pitcher is you're essentially rolling with, I guess, four right now, right? Will Todd, how much of a role will Todd play in the postseason is the big thing. He won't. And eventually, you have, and eventually you have to think, too, Todd is going to hit an innings limit. Yep. It's coming. We're going to get pretty close to the time where he's going to hit an innings limit, so how much can you count on him? So really you have three, and if you paid attention to what happened on Wednesday, Zach Eflin, who's had knee yeah. injuries in the yeah. past, goes down with knee discomfort. Haven't heard an update there. I don't know if you saw something yesterday. I was a little off the nope. grid, but I haven't heard an update on Zach Eflin, so you have to be a little concerned there. And outside of those dudes, especially with Yanni Chirinos no longer in the fold, they don't really have much depth of starting pitchers to kind of plug in there, unless you want to see Zach Littell get it. And I know they're going to give Zach Littell an extended look, but let's be real. Am I putting my faith in Zach Littell? The answer is no. Uh, the, the Calvin Fauchets of the world, the Cooper Criswells of the world, those are the guys that you have right now to cover for the starting rotation. So that's the thought process behind getting another starter in here is you have some backup here in case you have an injury, and hopefully that will take some of the pressure off of your top three right now. So yeah. I think – Absolutely, you need a big bat. You need to go get somebody in the back end of the bullpen and then get me like a number four starter. And that's why I was like, I was okay with Lance Lynn, but if the price is going to be what they're saying, then I'll, I'll look elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, I think they might be able to get by without it. Um, if, if, you know, if the expenditures to me right now are, I think even big bat is bigger than closer. Because yes. without a big bat, they got no chance. They got zero chance. This offense has no chance and I mean zero chance. They're never going to be what they were in the first two months. Never. I'm sorry. I don't see it. That was an anomaly to yeah. me. No question about whether the rest of the league is caught up. These guys aren't, aren't as good as they were in those first two weeks. Whatever it is, I just you can't count on that. You can't just sit here and stand pat with this offense and, and say, well, we'll be fine. No. And by the way, not. again, the, the two guys that make that – well, there's three guys that really make that offense go, and it's Yandy Diaz, Wander Franco, and Randy Rosarena. Yandy has and Yandy looks like he's going to avoid an IL stint, and hopefully they get him back in there this weekend against Houston for a huge series here. Obviously, the Rays need to feel good about themselves sometime before, like late, sooner before later. Obviously, huge series against the Houston. Um, but Yandy Diaz is obviously your consistent threat. Randy, I would attest to tell you right now that I think the home run derby. There's something going on with his swing. Clearly, that's it. But the other, so I think Randy eventually will figure it out, and Yandy's going to be steady. But the other guy that right now is not figuring it out is Mr. Juan DeFranco, who we've been talking more about lately. And I tell you what, I didn't get a chance to talk about it yesterday, but I'm sure you might have talked about it yesterday, maybe the play that involved him in Wednesday's game. Those are the things that get me irritated more than anything. 
If you're Which slow, one was that? The play later in the game where he hits a ground ball and he's just kind of jogging, if that. It's a light jog down to first base, and it was a bad throw, and even when it was apparent it was a bad throw, he still didn't even speed up, but he got on base. Um, and then I think it was Randy who came up, who popped one up, and, and I don't know, he wasn't reading it. I have no idea, but then he kind of he makes like zero effort to come back to first base, and he gets doubled up, and right away that inning is essentially over. Those are the things that bother me more than anything. You're slumping at the plate. I understand it's a 162-game season. It's going to happen, whatever. But when you're out there and you're also a player who has already been benched for two games, called out by your own manager for not being a good teammate, and then I see you dogging it on the field, those are the things. It's, it's very unacceptable. I don't care how old you are. Can you hustle? Because you want to know what really bothers me? Is I saw in the series prior when they faced the Orioles, another top prospect, and Gunnar Henderson, who's the same age as Wander Franco, I, what, what is he doing? He's hustling all around yeah. the bases, making things happen. Why is it Gunnar Henderson can do those things, but Wander Franco can't? Those are the things. It, it doesn't take anything, but it, it doesn't take much skill to just be, have effort, you know? And when you're struggling at the plate, make an impact somewhere else on the field. And Wander Franco chose not to do that during Wednesday's game. So those are the things that bother me, and I have to think that bothers Kevin Cash as well. I, I could, you put it so well. Absolutely. You know it bothers Kevin Cash, and you know that. Uh, and, and let's just go ahead and, and say the, the Rays' strategy to get him going has not worked. No. Has not worked. It, it just, you know, the strategy was, okay, first we're going to take it public, we'll put it out in the press, and we'll see if that makes him um, play harder, play better. Didn't work. Then they suspended him. Let's see if that makes him play harder, play better. Uh, and he even talked about it before he went out to the All-Star game, that maybe he wasn't selected because of his behavior and he knows he's got to be better. Hasn't worked. It hasn't worked. Um, you know, I saw on Twitter some people saying the race, you know, threw him under the bus. Maybe he feels that they didn't have his back and they made it public. Um, I'm not on the inside enough to know which one of those is correct, but my gut feeling is that the Rays tried everything they possibly could do before they took it public. I, right. I just and and he and he wasn't responding. So you got at some point you got you got to hold the player accountable and see if he you know it's got like we said the Leonard Fournette incident from a few years ago. At some point, no matter who they are, you got to say to them, "Look, you're not giving us what we want. What we want. Well, somebody, if you're not going to give it. You're going to go." Somebody in this, I've always said this: the best way to police things is you need somebody in the clubhouse to do it. It needs to come from a player. I think player right. to player is the greatest. Like a Paul Goldschmidt is the yeah the greatest form of accountability. I think the greatest example everybody uses around here is Cliff Floyd on that 2008 team. Everybody yes. says that Cliff yes. Floyd was that guy. I don't know who that guy is on this team. They it's don't like have one. sometimes I think it's Yandi because I mean I'd like to think it is because he's older, right? And but but look what happened to Yandi when he tried to do that last year with a Rosarena, right? And I don't know. I mean I know Randy and Wander obviously have had their differences. I think that's clear for everybody to see. Is it Randy trying to go to Wander and want? It's not the message is not receiving. I don't know. Obviously we're not in the clubhouse to really know. We're just kind of speculating and trying to draw up reasonings here, but. It's got to come from within, and if that guy's not in that clubhouse, well, guess what? You have to go find somebody that can come into the clubhouse and straighten that out. So, 
you know, is that guy. And, and I know I said that I was against this because of his contract situation and a little bit of his age. But I will say, a Salvador Perez, and the Rays do need a catcher. There's no doubt about that. And he fits yep. the bill of being a big bopper in your lineup and a catcher. But you know what he's also done? He's played in the league for 13 years, and he's also won a World Series. So you want to talk about veteran leadership. He does fit that bill, so maybe that lessens you know, the impact of the contract that you're inheriting, that it's more than that. So, And he's obviously a, an Hispanic player, and I think he would get maybe he could get through to Wander and some of these young guys. So I don't know who that name is, but that definitely needs to be addressed because, again, you can slump at the plate. Everybody does that. But when you're not given an effort on the field, and this is now two times this week with your two biggest names on your team, not give an effort. That's so alarming right now to what I'm seeing with this team. Yeah, um, I, I agree totally. I agree totally, and, and I don't know what it's going to take to get him going. They've tried everything. Um, he's just going to have to grow up, and I think you're right. It take, it's going to take someone from the, uh, from the clubhouse side to make it happen because clearly management has not been able to make it happen. So there you are. By the way, uh, Shohei Otani, how oh did he do yesterday? <laughs> oh my goodness, we 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 like almost like are immune to this at the moment. Like we don't understand what we're seeing. What you saw yesterday was the greatest day any baseball player has ever had. Yeah, that happened I yesterday. Think that's fair to say. That was the greatest day—a complete game shutout in game one, and then two home runs in game two. That was the greatest day a baseball player has to, ever had in 150 years of this game. To lead the American League, by the way, in home runs, what 39 now? He's got 38. 38 home leads runs? the league in I mean, triples, all those things. It's <laughs> insane. See the MVP this year, Nick Gettis? I, I'm starting to come, come around to what you said before. It doesn't matter what everybody else does. If Shohei Otani just does this every year, he's going to win the MVP every single season. If you're a top 10 pitcher, is he a top 10 pitcher, though? I don't think so, no. I, I think that he is a... This he's a number one starter. I think he's a... I don't know if this is a hot take. I think he's a great... I think he's a top end, too. I don't know if he's nearly as consistent enough to be a one. His stuff is a one. If you're talking, mm-hmm. if you're going to tell me who has the best stuff in the league, I'm going to put Shohei Otani up there in the top three. But stuff doesn't mean everything. And I know he was fighting a blister the last couple starts, and that yeah, kind of inflated yeah. his numbers a little bit. But and clearly, that have a great team behind him. Yeah, and clearly that went away though for the for the Tigers game, which is not a great team. They're going nowhere. They're dead in the water. But you know, this is the big leagues, and it's hard to throw. How many guys throw complete game shutouts nowadays? Not many. Nobody. Nobody. Not many, so I'm not going to discredit it. But, yeah, I think he's I think he's probably, you know, maybe a top 15 pitcher, but no doubt about it, he's the best hitter in baseball. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, B.J. Daniels is going to join us, USF legend, Super Bowl champion, will join us. So always great to talk to B.J., somebody I've known since he was just a wee little boy. Uh, and his dad and I used to play basketball together, and B.J. would come hang out uh, at, the, at the Moore Center at FSU and Uh, turned into just a tremendous football player and even better man so we'll talk to bj daniels when we come back we're brought to you by the jeeves law group j-e-e-v-e-s lawgroup.com get that personal attention you so richly deserve and bay area modern medical center back live at tpc at the usf football foundation golf tournament here when we come back Guys, are you experiencing those feelings of getting older, lower sex drive, fatigue, hot flashes, moodiness, or you just don't feel like you had the vitality you once had? It's a chronic problem here in the United States. You're not just getting old. It's likely low testosterone. Studies over the last 20 years show a shocking decline in younger males aged 16 to 39. Older men have seen a sharp decline 
as well. So do something about it. Go see my friend Christopher Lugo at Bay Area Modern Medicine. Look, testosterone replacement is not a frivolous treatment. It takes a professional, targeted approach that focuses on total body wellness, vitality, and emotional stability. Not a one-size-fits-all approach like many clinics use. They will monitor your blood work and adjust your treatment as needed for optimal results. Folks, I've been on testosterone therapy for over six years, and it is a life changer. You will feel and look better than you did 10 years ago. Give them a call at 844-977-3477 or go to BAMMC.com. Tell them JP sent you for priority scheduling. That's 844-977-3477 or BAMMC.com. JP here for the Jeeves Law Group. Have you been injured in an accident, in an auto accident, truck accident, motorcycle accident, at work or at a place of business? Well, call the Jeeves Law Group and get the personal attention that you deserve. I made the mistake many, many years ago with going with one of the bigger law firms, the national law firms. And let me tell you, getting a call back from those folks was next to impossible. Weeks and weeks would go by never get a call back. That doesn't happen with the Jeeves Law Group. Personal attention is what they're all about. When you call the Jeeves Law Group, you will be part of the family. They will represent you in a vigorous and aggressive way against the insurance companies. These larger companies will promise bigger settlements, but it's the Jeeves Law Group that will get you the best results. If you're tired of dealing with these bigger law firms, check out the Jeeves Law Group. Go to JeevesLawGroup.com, tell them JP sent you, get a free consultation. It's the Jeeves Law Group. Scott Jeeves has been representing clients in the Tampa Bay area for over 25 years. Give them a call. It's a free call. 727-894-2929. 727-894-2929. Or go to JeevesLawGroup.com. During COVID, over 1.7 million people were added to the Florida Medicaid rolls. But as of April 1st, 2023, most of these people may not be eligible for the Medicaid coverage and will lose their health plan. If you have been notified you are losing your coverage, don't freak out. It's very likely you can apply for a federal subsidy under the Affordable Care Act. Just call 877-652-0244. Our representatives will walk you through the whole process, get some basic information on your income, number of kids, and then they'll find a plan that best fits your needs. In fact, with the new laws, 90% of Americans qualify for reduced or free health care. You can select great plans like Florida Blue, that's my carrier, love them, paying $800 less after making the call. 877-652-0244. Our highly trained professionals know all the intricacies of the new laws. They will do all the work. You save tons of money. So if you're being dropped from Medicaid, fear not. Call 877-652-0244. Get real health insurance, free doctor visits, free blood work, no deductibles. 877-652-0244. Hey, JP here for Extravaganza Productions Incorporated, EPI. You've probably seen their purple logo at so many events that you've gone to. They are based in Tampa, and for over 33 years, they've been creating and producing conferences, meetings, and special events, the biggest to the smallest, solid reputation of delivering the best audiovisual, sound, lighting, entertainment, video production, and decor on time and on budget. I've worked with them with so many big events, the Warrior Games, which was an Olympic-style event all over uh, Tampa Bay from McDill to the Convention Center to USF. They did it flawlessly, made it look big and fantastic. 
I've worked with them on small events as well, uh, large and small meetings and conferences, sporting events, fundraisers. If you got a fundraiser, you don't know the logistical way to pull it off, they'll take care of everything. Entertainment events, branding events, grand openings, so much more. The folks at Extravaganza Productions are the most professional and the best. I've worked with them many times. They are fantastic. You can contact them through extravaganzaproductions.com or call 813-621-4700. Extravaganza Productions. They are awesome. Coming back at you. Now, more with JP on Fan Stream Sports. Only just begun. All right, welcome back to the JP Peterson Show here. We are live at the USF football uh, fundraiser here. We're going to play a little golf out here at TPC, and look who we have here. The great USF legend, BJ Daniels, joining us now. What's up, BJ? How are you, my friend? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Good. good, good. For those of you who don't know, I've told this story many times on the show, but... I know you, back to when you were five or six years old, your father, Bruce, yeah. and I used to play pickup basketball almost every day, Monday through Friday, mm-hmm. at Tully Gym at FSU and then the Moore Center, and you would come out on your, on your uh, off days from school yeah. and, uh, and shoot around with us and play, and then yeah. lo, lo and behold, I come to Tampa, and then many years later, I'm like, he's starting quarterback in USF. <laughs> what a journey it's been. It's great to see you. It's great to see you as well. You yeah. look like you could still play, by the way. Oh, right? for sure. I mean, I still get calls from the XFL every day. Do you really? Yeah, I do, actually. Yeah, <laughs> so really do, do you Do you want to play? No, I'm done. I'm done. Um, and we spoke on this earlier. I don't want to get hit anymore. So <laughs> you you and Tom Brady both. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a brutal game, isn't it? It is, truly, truly. But, uh, but I've enjoyed it. It's given me so much. It's been a blessing. So I'm going to take those tools and, and use them. But um, but I'm gonna stay off the gridiron for now. I'm good. Hey, let's go back to your your days at USF. I mean, these were some of the great days at, at South Florida. The football program obviously has fallen on some hard times uh, recently. But I think what what you showed and Coach Levitt showed and, and, and Quentin showed is that you can have a big time program here. The pieces yeah. are here, and now with the new stadium coming on, yeah. I mean. There's nothing that USF doesn't have except being in a big conference, and hopefully that's where we're headed, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I can only imagine what uh, you know our on-campus stadium would have been if I would have had the opportunity to play in it. Uh, Matt Grothy, I can date it back to Markwell, Blackwell. I mean, Chris yeah, Powers yeah. is amazing. So, um, you know, it, it's an exciting time, and I really hope that we can create that atmosphere that I grew up around. I grew up on Florida State's campus. So just having to walk across the street, across the track, and get a chance to see Charlie Ward and them play, and, and, they, and, them play and just the atmosphere that campus had, I mean, I'm excited to just see what, what we can do with that. You know, and that's the thing. I've always thought that, you know, it's expensive to obviously do a stadium, and you're yeah. in money raising now, and we'll get to that. Yeah. And I said, you know, you're playing in a Super Bowl stadium. Just make it work. I mean, you, you played West Virginia there what, in 09, and yep. there was 60,000. We should be able to make this work. But then you see what UCF did. Right. And I'm like, and that's a, that's a rinky-dink stadium. <laughs> Let's just be honest about it. It's a rinky-dink stadium. This stadium you guys are building is going to be a hell of a lot better. Uh, and I think it's the key to the whole deal now. I've changed my tune on this, and I, I hope we can build that collegiate atmosphere because it's, it's just so hard to do at Raymond James. It is. It is. Um, a lot of students have, have to travel 30 minutes to make it to the games and 30 minutes to make it back. So uh, financially that could be a strain on them. But to have an on-campus stadium where you can just walk out your dorm room be a part of a tailgate and then walk right into a stadium. I mean, I think we're going to create an atmosphere that obviously we've never had before. So um, I kind of imagine our first game in 2026 being like the old Sombrero. Um, yeah. We had our first game and we sold out. So I'm excited for this. 
Go back to your playing days. What are your, your best memories of your playing days at USF? Uh, number one has to be Florida State. Um, you know, just because I grew up wanting to play in that stadium one day and watching Charlie Ward, and, and, and he was my idol as a quarterback growing up. But uh, on the flip side, playing in that stadium on a different team. Yeah. Uh, you know, and having an opportunity to win. And whooping their ass. <laughs> yeah. was, I, I mean, I was there that day as a Seminole. Yeah. And I – who was your safety – um, John Logist. Was it Logist? John Logist and uh, Nate Allen. I think it was Nate, though. Mm -hmm. It was maybe first or early in the game. Mm -hmm. Somebody came through the line, and he lit him up. Yeah. And do you oh, remember yeah. that? And I, I was did. like, oh, shit. Oh, As yeah. an FSU fan, I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> These boys have come to play. For sure. And you physically owned FSU that day, and, and that was a yeah. that was an eye-opener to me. Yeah. I mean, a lot of us have, have had chips on our shoulders. So we were probably undersized, under-recruited. Uh, Coach Levin, one of the guys that were hungry to play football, uh, not the biggest stars and recruits, guys that really loved the game, and um, I think that showed on, on on that Saturday. Yeah, that was that was that was a fun day yeah. for you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> what for about sure. your dad? <laughs> oh man, he, he won't admit it, but he cried. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. And, and we we remember those big big wins at Auburn. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, you've met uh, Coach Alex Gullish and, yep. and and your thoughts on him and what he can bring to this program. Yeah, um, he seems to be. You know, I've, I've said this before about Coach Levitt. You know, very a fiery, uh, kind of feisty guy, a guy that cares about ball, um, also cares about his players. And um, you know, I think I, I think the players will have a lot of respect for him because um, at the end of the day, you know, he wants results, and you you love a coach that can push you into that into that realm. So. Um, hopefully, hopefully, you can continue to do that um, with these new players we're bringing in as well. And let's talk about your pro career as well. Drafted by the 49ers in the seventh round uh, and then went to Seattle, played receiver, and won a Super Bowl there. What, what was that like? Uh, dream come true. I mean, I, I remember you know not having an opportunity to win the Big East. And, yeah. um, and I cried like a baby when I didn't accomplish that feat um, on top of breaking my ankle my senior year. But to have the opportunity to make it to the NFL, to also win a Super Bowl my rookie year, um, dream come true. Um, I never won a state championship in high school, uh, you know. So it was one of those things where you know all of the work that you put in, it, it finally uh, pays off. Um, so to have that accomplishment, uh, to have a chance to go to the White House, yeah. the, the chance to uh, meet you know the president and have so many good teammates. I mean, it was amazing. Uh, B.J. Jandel's joining us here, uh, and and playing with Russell Wilson, I, I bet was yeah. special. It was. He was at was. his prime then. At that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, the, the coolest part is to see a quarterback prepare for the, the, the best game in the world. Yeah. Um, so the way he prepared, I mean, I, I took pieces from him. And I tell everyone all the time, if I studied like he did, I'd probably be a doctor, yeah. to be honest <laughs> with you. <laughs> what do you think about his chances with, with Sean Payton? I like his chances to bounce back this year. I really do. Me too. I think you got two guys who, uh, you know, Russell's athletic ability, Sean Payton's you know, creativity, I think that matches. Um, yeah. You know, because Russell is a guy you got to keep on the move. You don't want to have him sit back in the pocket and do five and seven step drops. That's not him. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so get him out in space, put him in shotgun, allow him to do zone read. I think he's going to, you know, be successful. So. All right, let's talk. Let's zero in a little bit on this program. Now, I okay. asked you about Coach Alex. Now, this is a whole new world for college athletics. I mean, you've played yeah. the game as a player mm -hmm. when there wasn't NIL, right. and now you have NIL. And first and foremost, how do you think that's working for the players? I, I, you know, I've said this for a long time. It's long overdue. Mm -hmm. I don't like the fact that it's a, the wild, wild west right exactly. now, and there's no yeah. – um, there's, there's obviously a bill in Congress now that mm -hmm. is going to hopefully bring it all under one – one umbrella and, and I hope it's fair to the players because right. I get scared when the government gets involved oh, in anything. Yeah. <laughs> but at this point, there needs to be some type of 
uh, governing body to, to, to rein this in a little bit and make it an even playing field for everybody because right. it's certainly not, right? Right. No, it's not even. It's not even at all. Um, but at the same time, you know, I do think these players deserve it. Um, I remember when I was in college, uh, $5 was a great weekend for me. Come on, man. <laughs> you know? That's insane. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's yeah. insane. Oh, yeah. Matt Grothing can tell you the same thing. It was a great weekend. Um, and you get and this is what oh, this is what got me going twenty years ago when yeah. I, I was going to bowl games with FSU players, mm-hmm. and you know the 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 alumni and media mm-hmm. are you know we have hospitality suites and right. we're drinking free drinks and eating lobster and yeah. shrimp and the guys are hanging out in the hallway and they can't even come in and have a burger. Yeah, I'm like yeah. bringing them out food. I mean, I'm like, what are you what are you, what are you drinking? I'm yeah. like, oh, yeah. it, it was. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so it, it, you're, you're around people. The program's got money. Everybody's got money except you guys. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah, it is. It is. But, you know, you know, I, I tell people, you know, the stories all the time, you know, about the college athlete who uh, dreamt of making it to the NFL. He doesn't. Uh, he has his degree. But he's going to spend that two to three months trying to transition to find a job. Right. You know, so without right. the financial means that he could have had with NIL, how do you kickstart him into his career? Right. You know, so I do I do see benefits in it. It is the Wild Wild West, like you said. I do think some numbers are flabbergasted as well. Yeah. yeah. You know, but, uh, you know, at the same time, I, I do I do see a positive benefit in it. Yeah, and I think there also needs to be a component of paying the athletes as well. Yeah. I've been a long-time component of taking, you know, even if it's $25,000 a year, mm-hmm. put that into a trust account. Right. And when and you can you can use that money for living expenses while you're in school, mm-hmm. um, a certain part of it. And then when you graduate, you get the rest. And, exactly. and you can use that money to invest in the business, yep. you know. Yep. Give them a head start, a real head start in life right. that can help them. For all the work that they put in and all the revenue that they've, created for these programs like that just seems like a fair thing to do Absolutely. not outrageous yeah. but fair they can graduate with one hundred twenty-five thousand, maybe mm-hmm. some bonus money in there and that can give them a start and it's and plus health care at least for the next five to ten years right, right. oh for sure for sure and i, I do think what you said is a, is a great point you know when they graduate give it to them right you know not throughout college i mean my i remember my first nfl check um that i received i couldn't I couldn't even show you a T-shirt from that era, you know. <laughs> so, you know, you know, it's just, you know, I didn't know how to manage it. I didn't right. know how to handle it when I first got it. So, to give it to a kid that's 18, 19, 20, still in college, um, you know, still naive and trying to figure out his own life. It's um, a little crazy. Yeah, I think the graduation part is important. Then you give it to them and allow them to kickstart their life, just so at least they have the education, you know, to follow, you know, and support that. Yeah. So. BJ Daniels joining us here. So, what are you doing now? I know you're raising money for the university, yeah. but it's not NIL, which is it's. <laughs> let's talk. Let's talk that through. How how are you guys handling raising money for the school, but yet also trying to take care of your players as well? Yeah, I mean it's a fine line. Um, yeah. You know, not every donor, every person you meet in the community uh, cares about either or. You know, so I want people that care about the stadium and benefits. You know, those are the people that can help us build the stadium. Uh, the ones that want to support the players, that's a whole different category. Um, and, and typically it's the ones that understand um, college athletics and, yeah. and, and what it's like. Um, it's hard for most people to understand, well, you're on full scholarship, you have room and board, what else do you need? I mean, a what? Actually, toothbrush, toiletries, things like that. Money, gas money. A little expensive yeah. these days. <laughs> right. I mean, everything's ridiculously expensive these days. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's a fine line. Yeah. All right. So what? Speaking to USF fans and boosters out there, what's your, what's your elevator pitch to them to say, hey, we need we need some help here? What do you tell the the donors? Yeah. Um, I mean, just part of it is you know, everyone talks about USF and its glory days in the past. Yeah. Um, you know, name a quarterback, you can name an era. It's been great. 
but at the end of the day, you know, how do we get back to that? And right now, college athletic has completely changed. Mm -hmm. So in order for us to keep up, this is what we have to do. Yeah. Um, you know, we can't we can't compete with the Joneses or the Alabamas or the Floridas or Florida States of the world if we're not keeping up with what the culture is changing too. So, financial culture. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I yeah. mean, at the end of the day, um, if you take a young man or young woman. Uh, who's in college athletics, like myself, who had $5 for the weekend, yeah. yet and still you have an opportunity to go start and play somewhere else for 100000 or plus, you know, you might want to benefit and help <laughs> you not only yourself yeah. but your family. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, we, we have to keep up. We have to keep up. And it, some people don't didn't embrace it when it first came. Um, you know, I, for one, wasn't the biggest fan of it originally um, just because I felt like there should be some, some rules yeah. um, in place. But at the end of the day, this is where we are, and I think that we have to embrace it. All right, partner. Well, good luck to you. Uh, you're uh, you're such a great role model for this school. You are uh, such a, a a great ambassador, and uh, I hope you stick around a while. You're, are you interested in coaching at all? Yeah, I mean, if if, if, uh, if Coach Goes calls me, I might, I might step out <laughs> on the field. There's some good money in it. I oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I can ask you about your old receivers coach. Yeah. In Seattle is Dave Canales, yep. who's now the OC at at, uh, at the Bucks. Oh, I yeah. think he's doing a hell of a job. He hadn't called a play yet, but he's won everybody <laughs> over because he's yeah. got such great charisma. Tell me a little bit about him. Yeah, um, when I was in Seattle, um, when I first got with the team as a quarterback, uh, he was tasked with teaching me the playbook uh, at a fast, accelerated pace. And um, he did a really good job of doing that because I was able to absorb it and make the team because um, I, I came from San Francisco. Right. So I, I got thrown in the fire right away. So, um, you know, a family guy, faith-based guy, um, you know, he, he means what he says. He's very, he's honest. You know, he's one of the coaches that even when I wasn't playing with Seattle anymore, he still called me just to check on me. Um, I saw him about two weeks ago at Fresh Kitchen in Midtown, and he's there with his, his wife and kids. and. Um, you know, he's, he's never changed. He's never changed. Very humble, and I'm excited to see what he can do this year. He's a great dude, as yeah. are you, my friend. So congratulations Thank on you. all your success, man. It's Thank always you. great Thank to you. see you. And tell your dad, hey, Bruce, five bucks on the weekend? That's all you get? <laughs> you couldn't give him a little bit more allowance? Come on, man. Come out the wallet a little bit, will you, partner? Please. <laughs> all right, man. Good to see you. Good to see you. Too. All right, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back on the other side, and uh, we'll uh, hear from Baker Mayfield. And Kyle Trask as they are battling for that Bucks quarterback job. We're live from TPC of Tampa Bay for the USF Football Foundation fundraiser here. Back in three. Stay with us. All right, this is for all you guys who don't want to go to the gym and do 5,000 crunches. At Bay Area Modern Medical Center, you can get on the new True Body Machine where you can reduce fat, and tone up your muscle. It's like doing 54,000 crunches in just 15 minutes. Define your body as you see fit. True Body offers personalized muscle stimulation that delivers the equivalent of those 54,000 crunches in just 15 minutes. Just get in touch with them at Bay Area Modern Medical Center, BAMMC.com. Chris Lugo and the team over there will set you up on True Body and get amazing results. Non invasive with comfortable and little to no pain and zero downtime. You can isolate and target those areas that you want to improve and treat multiple areas simultaneously. It's an amazing machine, so check it out at Bay Area Modern Medical Center, BAMMC.com. Well, Fitz the Mortgage Guy did it again. A listener heard his ad was going to another big bank but called Scott Fitzgerald at American Mortgage Services of Tampa and Fitz saved him $618 on his monthly payment. Are you kidding me? Folks, that's big money. 
Rates are going up, they're going down, they're going all over the place. Scott will shop your loan and save you lender fees and get the best rates. Email him, scott at amstampa.com or call 813-294-7595. That's Fitz the Mortgage Guy. Lots of stuff going on right now and these rates are going all over the place. You need somebody knowledgeable in the market that will work hard for you and get you the best deal. That's my man Scott. He's done three loans for me, done thousands of loans for local folks here, works with a lot of the coaches and players in the area. He's the guy. 813-294-7595 or go to scott at amstampa.com. Insurance coverage can be confusing and expensive. I mean, where do you start? Which companies can you count on to pay out fast and fair? Well, call the great folks at Italiano Insurance. It's a family-owned business. Jeff and Nat Italiano are carrying on the 60-year-plus tradition of giving amazing customer service and giving back to the community through their annual backpack drive for needy students and their support of the local pediatric cancer patients but it's the customer service that sets them apart they can shop all your insurance needs and save you big time money don't hop on the internet and waste time looking at some bogus reviews talk to knowledgeable agents and not some voice generated robot these are confusing times for homeowners and italiano's team of experienced professionals can provide the right coverage for every situation home auto business life it's italiano for all the pieces of your life Call 813-877-7799 or go to italianoinsurance.com. During COVID, over 1.7 million people were added to the Florida Medicaid rolls, but as of April 1st, 2023, most of these people may not be eligible for the Medicaid coverage and will lose their health plan. If you have been notified you are losing your coverage, don't freak out. It's very likely you can apply for a federal subsidy under the Affordable Care Act. Just call 877-652-0244. Our representatives will walk you through the whole process, get some basic information on your income, number of kids, and then they'll find a plan that best fits your needs. In fact, with the new laws, 90% of Americans qualify for reduced or free health care. You can select great plans like Florida Blue, that's my carrier, love them, paying $800 left after making the call. 877-652-0244. Our highly trained professionals know all the intricacies of the new laws. They will do all the work. You save tons of money. So if you're being dropped from Medicaid, fear not. Call 877-652-0244. Get real health insurance, free doctor visits, free blood work, no deductibles. 877-652-0244. Hey, JP here for Extravaganza Productions Incorporated, EPI. You've probably seen their purple logo at so many events that you've gone to. They are based in Tampa, and for over 33 years, they've been creating and producing conferences, meetings, and special events, the biggest to the smallest, solid reputation of delivering the best audiovisual, sound, lighting, entertainment, video production, and decor on time and on budget. I've worked with them with so many big events, the Warrior Games, which was an Olympic-style event all over uh, Tampa Bay, from McDill to the Convention Center to USF. They did it flawlessly, made it look big and fantastic. I've worked with them on small events as well, uh, large and small meetings and conferences, sporting events, fundraisers. If you got a fundraiser, you don't know the logistical way to pull it off, they'll take care of everything. Entertainment events, branding events, grand openings, so much more. The folks at Extravaganza Productions are the most professional and the best. I've worked with them many times. They are fantastic. You can contact them through ExtravaganzaProductions.com or call 813-621-4700. Extravaganza Productions, they are awesome. Let's go! Right now. Back to the show with JP on Fan Stream Sports. 
Okay, no, let's do it. I don't know if there's any NIL money in it, but... All right, we're back here on the uh, J.P. Peterson Show. Great interview there with... Uh, oh, sorry. No, you're good. You're good. I muted you there. But. Hey, BJ, we just set up a, uh, a weekly thing with B.J. He's going to come on and talk college football with us. Well, perfect, because I, I was just saying right we're there... We're trying to get him some NIL money, though, from Nooch over here, so we're... we're, oh, we're, we, we're, we're, we're the deal's going down as we speak. Well, I'm not a college athlete, nor do I have many athletic chops in me, but I could use some NIL money, too. I'm just going to put, <laughs> put that out there. I'm out there. But, no, I was just about to say, I'm like, that was such a great little uh, discussion there with BJ and, yeah. and definitely learned a lot. And I love the answer there. I forgot that he played with Dave Canales. Yeah. And I love hearing that, like, real authentic answer there about who Dave Canales is, and it just reaffirms that he is who he says he is in the media. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think Dave's going to be a head coach someday, um, you know. And it, I, I just, but it's hard to get going, you know. And it's going to be an interesting situation because if this, you know, as much as I think the Bucks can win nine, ten games, there are scenarios that it could go really, really wrong. Correct. Like we talked about the right side of the offensive line. I, I I don't like where they're headed with that, and that could be a disaster. Yeah, and it doesn't matter who the OC is. If you've got an offensive line that, that that's getting overwhelmed, you got no shot. Yeah, I, I don't think that will happen. I think they'll they'll figure it out. I think the offense can be. I, I don't expect it to be a top ten offense this year. It could be. It could be, but I think you know if they could just get it in that you know fifteen to twenty range. Uh, with this defense, they can win some ball games. You know what really was going on there during the uh, while you were talking with BJ? I was monitoring the end of Bucks camp, and I saw a couple updates from from uh, Pewter Report here from Scott Reynolds. And we talked about the need to have competition at certain spots, and obviously the biggest one is the quarterback. You know what I love seeing is practice ending with a two minute touchdown drive from Baker Mayfield, and then Kyle Trask following it up with a two minute touchdown drive of his own. I yes. love seeing that. And I saw the names. It sounds like they were throwing to everybody that was on the field. It wasn't just singling out on one guy, finding open spots in the defense. Love to see that. Even down to the kickers. The kickers each went 8 for 8 or 9 for 9. Rodrigo Blankenship and Chase McLaughlin. And that's a competition we haven't really talked about. But, you right. know, yeah. we, we, do, we don't have a number one kicker right now. But they both made all their kicks in the, the, the session to end it. And, of note, they both made their 58 yarders to end practice. And Whoa. when was the last time the Bucks made a field goal that was that long? It's been a uh, little bit. It's been a while, Brian Sucko. So, yes. again, competition yeah. right there. And those are two spots that have big competition going on because it's only going to be one guy, obviously. And uh, good to see they both ended practice on a perfect note there. Yeah, that, yeah, that's you know you want to we, we can talk all we want about Dave Canales and and the and the roster and the players that they have on this offense, but until they start doing it, and listen, they're going to get better and they're going to get tested against this defense on a daily basis. This is going to make them better because mm-hmm. um, this defense. I mean, you're talking about two two really good corners, um, some safeties. I think that can you know obviously Winfield's. Uh, uh, one of the better young safeties in this league, and and Neil, I think, is going to be a guy that really surprises. I mean, you got two, you know, supposedly the, uh, a great linebacker tandem, <laughs> Devin White uh, and Levante David. If Devin wants to play, I mean, in this defensive line, I think is underrated, um, and they're faster. So this is going to be a good test for this offense, and um, you know, I'm, I'm, that's good news if they can execute like that and get it in the end zone. That's great news. All right, let's get into some of the sound uh, from yesterday, um, and we'll start with uh, Baker Mayfield. Um, 
asked the question that's been asked of him many, many times, and I think it's really interesting his answer here. He's asked if he you know, has a chip on his shoulder, if you know, last year kind of humbled him a little bit. So uh, here's Baker Mayfield from yesterday's presser. Yeah, let me pull it up here. But to just continue, the question was about the uh, the media narratives that are going on around this team yeah. and if Baker Mayfield is, is uh, taking it personal or anything. I've, I've been off social for almost two years now, so I'm – I'm wired different. I don't. I don't need anybody on the outside to tell me what I can and can't do. I know what I'm capable of. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I got hurt in Cleveland. That's why my my run ended there. Um, and then last year it was, uh, you know, it was what it was in, in Carolina. Uh, but everything happens for a reason. So I'm here now and uh, I'm ready to go. I mean, this this team. Um, you, you, you talk about skeptics and what the narrative is around this team. I, I think it speaks to our veterans and the people that were a part of the run. Uh, for the Super Bowl and the success they've had recently, more so than me. Um, I'll always have a chip on my shoulder. That's just that's how I approach every day. Um, but it's good to be around a, a room and a group that uh, has had success continue to have that mentality as well. So it's it's a good fit, but we're, we're going to write our own story. You can't carry on anything from the past years. You might internalize and think about it, but nothing translates to the next year. I think it's great, first of all, that he's been off – Social media for two years. I wish I could do that, Baker. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> I had one. I, I had that, one day off of it yesterday, and I felt so much healthier already mentally. Right? I mean, you know, all the all the garbage that goes in, and especially. And I've always said that about football players or any athlete. Why would you be on social media? That that makes no sense to me whatsoever. You know, have social media people do your branding. Um, you know, put. Put some things out there every once in a while. You can, you know, obviously you can make money. You can build your brand through social media. I think that's great. But getting, you know, but reading it, being on it, interacting on it, interacting with fans on it. Are you out of your mind? Like, what do you, no, no, get off of it completely. I think that's a, and that, that shows a level of maturity to me that, again, goes back to what you talked at the beginning of the, of the show. He carries himself like a professional starting quarterback. And I like that. And I think he showed it right there. Yep. And by the way, this team has been to the playoffs three straight years and Correct. won a Super Bowl. The deep run, and of course, last year was not so good. But how many teams in this league have been to the playoffs three years in a row? I don't know off I mean, the top of my head. Usually there's a, like, what, 60%, 70% turnover, I feel like. 50% turnover every year on average. So yeah. I would say that it may be... Two or three tops. I mean, how, how long has the Bucks been a franchise now? Are we approaching 50 years, right? Uh, yes. I believe they've only been to the playoffs three times in a row twice. Yeah, yeah. I'd have to think they're in the late 90s, early 2000s. They probably yeah. went like four or five years in a row. And yeah. then I think they went, what, five out of six under Dungy? Four right. Four out of six, five but, out of six. Right, yeah. and then you just had this three-year stretch right here making the playoffs. So even in this own franchise's history, it's only happened twice. In yeah. almost a span of 50 years. So what does that tell you? It's very difficult in this league to do that. So, and, that, and that's just not Tom Brady, folks. I hate to tell you this, but it's not Tom Brady. You know, I was talking to uh, Ira Kaufman about this the other day. The reason Tom Brady chose the Buccaneers was because of the roster. Right. Yeah, only two teams. Only two teams in the league. So who would that be? Um, Wasn't it the Chargers that wanted them at the time? The Bills? Bills, Chiefs, and Bucks. Yeah, Bills, Bills, Chiefs, and Bucks. Yeah, and the Chiefs are the ones who have won... The world championship, you know, yeah. <laughs> coming off of there, and the yeah. Bills are a powerhouse right now. Right. So, yeah. I mean, th- this is this roster is not bad. It's not bad. Now, right. they've lost some players over the years. I mean, 
Would I like to have JPP in his prime back? Yes, I would. Um, would I like to have Adama uh, you know, Kinsu from two years ago? Sure. But the league's changing. You need to be faster up front. Those two guys got too old, got too broken down. Have they replaced them with guys of equal caliber? No. Um, but I think Cansey has a chance to be a disruptor. Um, I think, and I think that makes everybody else better. But the rest of the core of these guys are here. Right. And that, that means something. And I think Baker notices that and, and, and realizes that. Yeah. Uh, other things with Baker, um, we'll listen to his general thoughts here on the quarterback competition. Thought he gave a great answer. So we'll listen to that one. No, I- Competition-wise, you know, we're trying to make the QB room as good as possible. That I've always said, uh, franchise will go as the QB room does. How they gel, how they get everybody, how they communicate, get everybody on the same page, how they lead. And so, right now, I like I said, I'm going to approach each day the same, no matter what position I'm in. Uh, I'm going to try and get everybody better. I'm still going to be me. I'm still going to work my tail off to, to obviously start. That's the goal. But uh, to get everybody else better around me, to, to raise that competition level and that standard as well. And so, um, but yeah. You know, being in different places and experiences always helps you. If you don't take lessons from that and learn from it, you're doing it wrong. So obviously I've taken lessons from that on understanding how uh, to approach the game from, from different seats, as you mentioned. But, uh, yeah, I'm approaching it like I, like I want to be the starter. I mean, obviously that, that would be his approach. Um, but, again, this competition makes, makes everybody better. And I, I think you're, you're going to see – uh, you're going to get the best out of both of these guys, no question. Yeah, about it. and I tell you what, I know it's only you know three practices and shorts and all that, but you know I've heard a lot of people, and you could probably attest to this, that have said that he, Kyle Trask, I'm speaking to now because I feel like we've maybe we've unfairly closed the book on his chances of being a starter for this yes. team, right? Just because we're looking at all the clues that tells us it's Baker, but even I'm seeing people today that are like, man, Kyle Trask looks even different now than what he looked during the OTA and mandatory minicamp period, like in a good way. Where it looks like, as you said, you thought he had more zip on the ball. He's even admitted that I think he lost like five or ten pounds. So yep. he's a lot more, uh, you know, nimble, I guess. And he even said yesterday that, you know, there's plays now where if he was in college, you know, defensive linemen would have got him, you know, ten yards in the backfield. And now he feels like he's able to run away from these guys and at the very least get to the sideline, pick up a yard or two, and move on to the next down. And we know that those little things in the NFL are crucial. And also in the situations, obviously not throwing – you know, ducks across the middle of the field, a la Mr. Winston, um, and just li- learning to live another down. So hopefully it looks like Kyle Trask, maybe we shouldn't close the, d- the book on him yet or close the door on him here that he has a shot to win this quarterback competition because he looks like, and as I said, you need to see him with the mentality of I can be the starter. And that's the reason why you don't name a starting quarterback this early. And I think that process is working out so well for the Bucks right now. Uh, all right, let's hear from Kyle Trask then, shall we? Um, you got a couple of clips you want to set up from yesterday? Yeah, we'll go with uh, Kyle Trask here. Um, we'll get his thoughts here as well on the quarterback competition. And it's also of note, it's his first time throwing to the ones in this offense, if you can believe it, in his third year here. Uh, yeah, that makes a difference. I think the quarterback room as a whole has been doing a great job of just, you know, spitting ideas off of each other and, you know, as cliche as it sounds, you know, we're not really competing against each other, you know, obviously on the outside, you know, there's a, it's own perspective, but you know, as cliche as it sounds, you just want to compete with yourself and make sure you're progressing every single day. Um, 
you know, everyone's going to make different mistakes, uh, so we all can get better in different things. Um, so I think if we, the key to you know a good competition is just everyone just, you know, trying to better themselves every single day. And, you know, that's been my main focus. A little cliche. I would agree with that. <laughs> but you know, the one thing you don't want to do is get up there and start, you know chirping it at the other guy or make it make it personal or I'd anything rather, like that. I think you would agree with this. I'd rather my quarterback get up there and not make headlines. If you if you sp- right. if you talk yeah. for twenty minutes and I don't have a single headline or a single clickbaity thing to go to, I'm okay with that out yeah, of my quarterback. Exactly. And I'll give Trask this. He might not be as out there as Baker Mayfield, you know, personality standpoint, but yeah. in a different way he does speak like a pro. And at the big, at the end of the day, that's all I can ask out of my my. If I want a franchise quarterback, that's what I really want. You know, and Bowles has said this multiple times when talking about this quarterback competition, and and it's it really has very little to do with how loud you are or how boisterous you are out there in terms of your leadership. If you can't play, you can't be a leader. Right. It's that simple. I mean, J- Jameis used to say that as well. He knew it. He said. You know, yes, I'm a fiery guy. I'm competitive. You know, I'm a guy that's going to, you know, lead the pregame speech or whatever. I'm going to be out there. If I can't play, I can't be a leader. And that's true. You just, if you don't, if you don't, you keep making mistakes and put your team in a bad way, nobody wants to hear from you. Nobody, (laughs) as we saw with JPP in that last year with Jameis, nobody wants to hear from you, even if they like you. It's like, you know, shut up and stop turning the ball over. At some point, you're not going to follow that guy because he's leading you down the wrong path. Yeah, and then to the flip side of that, even Bull said this yesterday, like it's not even like determining who wins it. It's not as simple as, okay, well, one guy went 10 of 14 during this period of practice and the other guy went 6 of 14. So the guy who right. went 10 and 14 is obviously going to win. The, it's not just that. He talked about you know that mental aspect and carrying yourself, being a leader, all those things you just mentioned. It, it's so much more than that. So, yes, you have to play. Yeah. At the end of the day, you have to be talented and be able to run the offense, but you've got to be able to lead a team and the mental aspect of football as well, which is almost as important as the athletic aspect going into it as well. Yeah, and there's, and there's other things besides statistics. And the biggest statistic is W. And that's what, it, it, again, some, some, some quarterbacks going 5 for 14. Well, the five of those plays were dead, and you threw the ball away. That's winning football because right. you didn't turn it over. All right, but if you, the five ones that five that you completed two were touchdowns and two were for big first downs, that's better than going you know nine for twelve for you know thirty seven yards and nothing and, right. and, and a turnover. So you gotta you gotta look at it in terms of having the moxie, as he says, to know when to make a play, when not to make a play, when to eat it, and and just how to win, how to be, how to play winning football. It's not just about numbers. I mean, everybody could point to, oh, well, Brady was sacked the least amount of times. Like, yeah, because he was throwing the ball away. He wouldn't let the play develop. That's not winning football. Right. I mean, it helps your numbers. It makes your numbers look better. But in terms of, you know, not throwing picks and not turning the ball over, but you're not, if you're not taking some chances, you're not moving the ball downfield. Yep. So it's, 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 it's about winning football, and, and that's, that's who's going to win this job. And speaking of the uh, the differences between the two quarterbacks, how they carry themselves, Baker was asked about that yesterday. And so here were his thoughts of how he goes about his business and how Kyle Trask goes about his business as well. Obviously, I'm a little more outgoing than Kyle, but, but Kyle's a great guy. And so to me, competition always brings the best out in anybody. Uh, you you want to have somebody pushing you to be better. You want to have somebody that's going to challenge you and bring a different aspect to it. Um, and, and John does that as well. John 
John brings the aspect of knowing that offense that we're installing uh, down to a science almost. And so the, the combination of all three of us, it's, it's pretty special to see how we're working together. And that's, that's, you know, when I mentioned the quarterback room is extremely important to be able to gel and get going. Uh, yeah, between Kyle, John, and I, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty cool how it's working. Yeah, you, you got to have you know a, a good room together, and it, it feels like they complement each other. They all complement each other to get better. So, um, you know, again, it, it, this is all talk, training camp talk, but it's good stuff. It's good stuff. You're, everybody's saying the right things, and as you point out, it's better than saying the wrong things. Right. It's better than saying the wrong things. All right, we got any more sound from the QBs? Yeah, we got one more uh, clip here from Baker Mayfield, and this is about. Uh, his impression of Dave Canales so far, who, again, as we just spoke okay. with BJ, has made a great impression on everybody in the community. But here's what Baker thinks about Dave Canales so far. Dave's a great guy, obviously. Uh, he's had a ton of success. He's coached every position possible. Um, his, his philosophy and his approach to the game is great. You know, he, he talks about having grace and humility about, you know, we're going to make mistakes, but how do, we, how do we pick each other up? How do we move on to the next play? How do we be detail-oriented and really get on the same page? And that's, we've done the install as kind of a slower approach, which I love, to make sure that everybody truly grasps what we're trying to get done. And that's, that's, a, that's a special thing. A lot of coaches will try and just put everything in just so they have all the all the bases covered but not him he's he's working on everybody getting on the same page really having a true foundation to where we can progress and uh do little things after that yeah i mean that's everybody's talking about dave canales and how he coaches and watching him the first couple of days um a couple of things kind of jumped out at me number one extremely extremely organized um and he doesn't he doesn't bark at guys but he he's forceful you know, he's very forceful in the way he coaches, very um, declarative. And you, you get the message, no doubt about it, even, even when he's coaching his coaches. You know, I heard him talking to some of the other coaches a little bit about, hey, let's not substitute quarterbacks within the same set um, and telling Dad Lewis that. So he's, you know, getting his point across. And also, you know, this is a work in progress. He's never run an offense before. So it's not only you – know, it's not just about calling plays. It's developing concepts, right? Mm-hmm. It's developing game plans. You know how, and, and that's the genius. Honestly, you know everybody talks about calling plays, right? That's important. But the biggest thing an OC does is he breaks down the tape of the defense and says, "This is where their weakness is. This is where we're going to attack them." He, you know, the great OCs develop the strategy. They see things on film that other other teams don't, and they'll they'll look at certain ways to uh, to attack those those weaknesses when they when they need to the most. You know, it's not like you can see a weakness in a team and say, "Okay, we're going to just pound that." Or you could say, look, you know, on, on third third and long, this is where their weakness is. So we're going to keep that play maybe till the third quarter, the fourth quarter. We'll sequence it in with a play that looks like it in the first quarter. Or this is the particular guy on film that, you know, like a Devin White that's, that's over-aggressive in this certain way. So we're going to suck him in with a couple of plays and then go over the top. So the, that's, that to me is where you get the great um, the great strategists of the game, the great play callers. So it's not just you know calling the plays on that particular day. It's figuring out how you're going to play that chess game during the week. Right, and, and it goes to the, the other assistants as well I've been impressed with. Like you, you had mentioned it the other day, you're out there and you know, you're a big fan of Joe Gilbert because yes, he, he looks like that old school, like, like yeah. if he was a high school football coach, you know he'd raise hell right from yeah. day one. And he's, oh, yeah. he, I saw clips. And he'd be fired. 
very quickly. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, but, yeah, I saw clips of him, and it's like, you know, he's, like you said, he's dropping the F-bombs to get his point across and those, you know, old-school things. But I kind of like, you know, it, he doesn't discriminate. You know, if he's got to make oh, no. his point known to Tristan Wirfs, who's, you know, top three left tackle or offensive tackle in the game, he'll get that point across to Tristan Wirfs. The same way he'll get it across to the guy who's the third string. So, in general, I think I've been very impressed with the assistance that they've assembled here so far considering, again, what they had to work with in the offseason when they had no quarterback to even pitch yeah. to most of these assistants. I think so far it's been a resounding success, but, of course, we have to see what this looks like in six weeks when we get to game time. Yeah, these units, you know, how do the, these particular units perform this year? Are they are they better than last year for some of these new guys coming in? I, again, I don't see how the offense can be worse. I, I really don't. I hope, <laughs> if it gets, there's no way it can get worse, I, I, I would like to think. I really would love to think that we could not get worse than the debacle that we had to sit through for 18 games last year. Please. Lord, no. Lord, or we're going to have a rough fall. We're going to have a rough fall on this show to have to break it down every single week. Yeah. Um, Michael Kelly is going to join us at 1130, so just want to get to a couple other things. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about Colorado uh, joining the Big 12, and they get their – you know, they get their full share right off the bat, unlike UCF, which I believe has to wait till 2026 how, to get their full share. Discrimination. 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 We're giving Dion all the, all the pop, but we're not giving the UCF Knights, and I'm outraged. I'm outraged. Yeah, how's that, how's that work? How's that, how's that work? I'd like, I'd like Mr. Brett Yormack to answer that question, please. Yeah. Well, I think because Colorado is a legacy, and they've been at the Big 12 before maybe, um, these programs that are coming in are, are you know, are coming up, and they, I, I, they're moving. I think I even saw something too. Speaking of them being a legacy program, I think they actually are tied with the current Big Twelve. Now that they're in there, they have they're tied for the most Big Twelve championships. I are think, they really? of the schools that are remaining? I think they're right there with Kansas State, wow. which tells you how wide open that conference is, and that yeah. we're looking for someone to become that dominant team in that conference. That Colorado, with all their like, they've never been good in my lifetime. I know a lot no, of people tell me, no. oh, well, in the 90s and the 80s and all. In my lifetime, Colorado has been a joke, like Kansas-level jokes. So it's almost wild to see that like, they're at the front of the line of expansion all of a sudden and all these kind of – it's so weird for me. No offense, but the last time Colorado was good, Eric Bieniemy was skinny. Oh. Uh, <laughs> being really skinny. Well, he was one of the fastest players in football. I take it back, actually. Colorado, <laughs> didn't they wear – they won 10 games in, like, 2016, I remember. Did they? Jim Levitt oh, yeah. was Jim Levitt was the defensive. When Jim coordinator. Levitt was there, yeah, yeah, that's right. Shocker, the um, guy can coach, but mostly not good for over the, over no. the past twenty five years. But I think you know, it's, again, it's about um, you know, it's about economics. You got to you got to you got to entice Colorado to come to your league. I mean, they're they're in a you know they're in a Power Five in the Pac twelve. Right now, who knows what that's going to become? So you know, with all due respect, your UCF goal, uh, Golden Knights. You weren't. Did you just so, say Golden Knights? You're Golden Knights or whatever, Black Knights, whatever the hell you are. You're, you're gonna, astronauts, you're gonna, Citronauts. You're, you're going to offend the, the, the sensitive UCF fans the cit- out there. The Citronauts. You can't call them the Golden Knights. You can't call them. You should have said Central Florida Golden Knights. You really would have set them all off. Central Florida Golden Knights. What the hell are you? Are you a Citronaut? Are you Listen, Golden I'm going to say it Central again. Florida? Last time I checked, last time I checked, my diploma says University of Central Florida. Which last is not- time I checked. So right. if I want to call them Central Florida, I'm going to call them Central Florida. Okay, fine, fine. And national champs too. Are you ready? No, I can't get there. But no, um, the the Big Twelve. I mean, for me personally, I think it's really cool. UCF obviously is in a is in a conference that seems safe right now. 
when it's it comes deal. to the future of college football with the media it's rights really deal, deal, it's a big deal, and I don't think they're done. They want to get to that round number of 14, and you see all these rumors. Is Oregon going to be that team that defects to the Big 12? Huge. Is it going to be That'd Washington? Because be Oregon, you're looking for like a big brand because you need one of those, I think, in a conference to survive. Yep. I think the Big 12 might be missing that at the moment. Oregon, Big West Coast Oregon would immediately become the yeah. number one brand in that conference. And they're cool because of Phil Knight. They're cool. Yeah. They're where they're, they're all that stuff yeah. that comes with Oregon. Whereas, whereas yeah. the Pac-12 is is dead. I thought it was going to be an arm a race here to see who was going to die first, the ACC or the Pac-12. It looks like the Pac-12 is is going to win that race. The Pac-12 so, yeah. is so dead. Yeah. Yeah, but there's still some good programs that are left there. I mean, what is, what is you know, talk about Washington, Oregon, Utah. I mean, Oregon State even, you know, can, can play yeah, some Utah, football. Yeah, Utah, Utah, you have to figure out where Utah. Utah's going. Yeah. And Stanford hasn't been great in football recently, but, you know, you're going to acknowledge that that's a pretty big a big program. Yeah. It's a great university that's to have. sleeping right now in football. Yeah. yeah, very true. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back on the other side, and uh, hopefully Michael Kelly will be here to join us, athletic director at the University of South Florida. We're here at uh, TPC at Tampa Bay to raise some money for the Bulls and uh, their football foundation. So we'll be uh, we'll take a break here. We are brought to you by the great folks at the Jeeves Law Group, J-E-E-V-E-S Law Group.com, Italiano Insurance, and Extravaganza Productions. If you got a big production like our golf tournament here today, let the folks at Extravaganza Production do it for you. Set it all up for you. They do the audio-visual. They've got great creative ideas. In fact, you can get a free creative session with them. Just go to their website at Extravaganza Productions, contact them, tell them you heard it on the JP Show, and they'll give you a free creative session for whatever your business meeting or party is going to be. Find out what you can do and uh, how much it's going to cost. It's a great deal. ExtravaganzaProductions.com. Back in three. Stay with us. Insurance coverage can be confusing and expensive. I mean, where do you start? Which companies can you count on to pay out fast and fair? Well, call the great folks at Italiano Insurance. It's a family-owned business. Jeff and Nat Italiano are carrying on the 60-year-plus tradition of giving amazing customer service and giving back to the community through their annual backpack drive for needy students and their support of the local pediatric cancer patients. But it's the customer service that sets them apart. They can shop all your insurance needs and save you big-time money. Don't hop on the Internet and waste time looking at some bogus reviews. Talk to knowledgeable agents and not some voice-generated robot. These are confusing times for homeowners, and Italiano's team of experienced professionals can provide the right coverage for every situation, home, auto, business, life. It's Italiano for all the pieces of your life. Call 813-877-7799 or go to italianoinsurance.com. Well, Fitz the Mortgage Guy did it again. A listener heard his ad was going to another big bank but called Scott Fitzgerald at American Mortgage Services of Tampa and Fitz saved him $618 on his monthly payment. Are you kidding me? Folks, that's big money. Rates are going up. They're going down. They're going all over the place. Scott will shop your loan and save you lender fees and get the best rates. Email him, scott at amstampa.com or call 813-294-7595. That's Fitz the Mortgage Guy. Lots of stuff going on right now, and these rates are going all over the place. You need somebody knowledgeable in the market that will work hard for you and get you the best deal. That's my man, Scott. He's done three loans for me, done thousands of loans for local folks here, works with a lot of the coaches and players in the area. He's the guy. 
813-294-7595 or go to scott at amstampa.com. During COVID, over 1.7 million people were added to the Florida Medicaid rolls, but as of April 1st, 2023, most of these people may not be eligible for the Medicaid coverage and will lose their health plan. If you have been notified you are losing your coverage, don't freak out. It's very likely you can apply for a federal subsidy under the Affordable Care Act. Just call 877-652-0244. Our representatives will walk you through the whole process, get some basic information on your income, number of kids, and then they'll find a plan that best fits your needs. In fact, with the new laws, 90% of Americans qualify for reduced or free health care. You can select great plans like Florida Blue, that's my carrier, love them, paying $800 left after making the call. 877-652-0244. Our highly trained professionals know all the intricacies of the new laws. They will do all the work. You save tons of money. So if you're being dropped from Medicaid, fear not. Call 877-652-0244. Get real health insurance, free doctor visits, free blood work, no deductibles. 877-652-0244. Hey, JP here for Extravaganza Productions Incorporated, EPI. You've probably seen their purple logo at so many events that you've gone to. They are based in Tampa, and for over 33 years, they've been creating and producing conferences, meetings, and special events, the biggest to the smallest, solid reputation of delivering the best audiovisual, sound, lighting, entertainment, video production, and decor on time and on budget. I've worked with them with so many big events, the Warrior Games, which was an Olympic-style event all over uh, Tampa Bay from McDill to the Convention Center to USF. They did it flawlessly, made it look big and fantastic. I've worked with them on small events as well, uh, large and small meetings and conferences, sporting events, fundraisers. If you got a fundraiser, you don't know the logistical way to pull it off, they'll take care of everything. Entertainment events, branding events, grand openings, so much more. The folks at Extravaganza Productions are the most professional and the best. I've worked with them many times. They are fantastic. You can contact them through extravaganzaproductions.com or call 813-621-4700. Extravaganza Productions, they are awesome. JP here for the Jeeves Law Group. Have you been injured in an accident, in an auto accident, truck accident, motorcycle accident, at work or at a place of business? Well, call the Jeeves Law Group and get the personal attention that you deserve. I made the mistake many, many years ago with going with one of the bigger law firms, the national law firms. And let me tell you, getting a call back from those folks was next to impossible. Weeks and weeks would go by, never get a call back. That doesn't happen with the Jeeves Law Group. Personal attention is what they're all about. When you call the Jeeves Law Group, you will be part of the family. They will represent you in a vigorous and aggressive way against the insurance companies. These larger companies will promise bigger settlements, but it's the Jeeves Law Group that will get you the best results. If you're tired of dealing with these bigger law firms, check out the Jeeves Law Group. Go to JeevesLawGroup.com, tell them JP sent you, get a free consultation. It's the Jeeves Law Group. Scott Jeeves has been representing clients in the Tampa Bay area for over 25 years. Give them a call. It's a free call, 727-894-2929, 727-894-2929, or go to JeevesLawGroup.com. Ladies and gentlemen, are you looking to lose weight or just lean up for bathing suit season where there are so many diets and chiropractors and weight loss clinics out there? You don't know where to start, right? We'll start at Bay Area Modern Medical Center. Chris Lugo, PA, and his professional staff will devise a personal plan for you that gets results and will help you keep the weight off. Everybody metabolizes food and supplements differently. Many of these other approaches are designed for the masses. 
So how's that going to work for you specifically? It's not. Chris will spend one-on-one time with you to find out what works best for you so the weight comes off safely without the use of harmful drugs and side effects. Call 844-977-3477 or go to BAMMC.com. Tell them JP sent you for priority scheduling. 844-977-3477 or BAMMC.com. Ladies and gentlemen, let's rock. This is FanStream Sports with JP. All right, welcome back to the J.P. Peterson Show here. We're coming to you live from the TPC of Tampa Bay at the USF Football Foundation fundraiser here today. I'm going to be doing a live auction here in a little bit, getting some money for this fine football program that will be moving into their new stadium, on-campus stadium, in 2026, before the Rays get a stadium. How about that? Yuck. Yeah, we got B.J. Daniels talking about that, and that's going to be quite a deal. To yeah. be quite honest. Which Martin Gramatica's uh, uh, son will be kicking right. off in the new stadium. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah, which Hopefully, by the yeah. way, speaking of USF, I just saw this in the break. Uh, there was a report here. I just it's funny how I just said the Pac twelve is dead and now I'm gonna say this. Yeah. Uh, there have been a multitude <laughs> of schools who have applied, yeah. who have filed paperwork asking to join the Pac twelve. And of note, USF is one of those teams, uh, joining Colorado State, San Diego State, SMU. Tulane, USF, Memphis, Boise State, Fresno State, Tulsa, and Rice. So there's some there's some updates there on USF with how it stands to relocation, realignment. Well, I, I just wish we had somebody we could ask about this report that would know about this report that just came down on Twitter. Uh, wait, Michael Kelly is here. There he is right there, the athletic director for University of South Florida. What's up, Michael? How hey, are you? JP, how's it going? We're going to get you all framed up here. Okay, all right. Uh, uh, I, don't, I hate to hit you with this, but it just came out on Twitter, so it has to be true. <laughs> well, I was driving, you, so you, I don't know what it is. <laughs> you, guys have, you guys have uh, uh, put in paperwork to join the Pac-12? <laughs> is it according to Jim Williams? The following schools have filed paperwork. Is this you guys, USF football, right here? Well... Is that would that be true? We'll just have to leave it. We'll just, well, welcome to sit today. down with us. I, Not today. I, I, I haven't, haven't said it in the day yet. But haven't uh, said it in today. Well, it, it, it just goes to the craziness of what's going on, and and um, I, and I just searched somebody else wrote. Yeah, UCF uh, applied to be in every conference as they were going through, including Pac-12. You file paperwork anytime there's expansion. I mean, if you want to move up into a Power Five. Of course, right? I mean, yeah, whether active. it's the Pac-12, the Big 12, the... the yeah, you got to stay active in conversations with all the different commissioners, and you never know. They never know. You never know when, when things are going to happen. So Or what's going to happen. Yeah, what's going to happen. But uh, And still don't know, even with the news that's happened this week, obviously, on one, on one surface level, you'd think, well, Colorado's made a decision, and... If it stays like it is and Pac-12 adds one team, everything stays static. But we all know there's a lot of different things at, at play there. If more teams from the Pac-12 leave, is that you know causes a whole different chain reaction? So, how, how do you how do you predict this landscape? I mean, how do you just now? Obviously, you've been involved in college athletics and running the national championship forever. You're as well connected as anybody in the game, which is one of the reasons it's great to have you as our athletic director. How do you even keep up with it? Is just talking to people and you hearing things? Yeah, it's all you got to do is be able to be stay in contact. I mean, even before the CFP, when I was at the ACC, we went yeah. through three different expansions during my time there. None of which we would have ever. There's no timeline that you ever knew when it was going to come. It often comes around times when there's media deals being done by any given right. conference, and that's kind of what's happening with the Pac-12 now. But you look at even a couple of years down the road, you've got uh, 
you know, obviously the Big 12 just did theirs. The, you know, the Big 10 is going to come back with another package here. So everyone's getting shorter and shorter um, TV media rights contract. Right. They, they all know it's such an evolving. Except the ACC. The ACC's in, <laughs> locked in for a long time. Uh, and, and so that's obviously a very different thing right now. So. And, and, and people have learned from that, and that's why people right. are going shorter exactly. uh, time frames, especially with uh, with the mediums of how think people digest games are all changing too. So who knows where the where the value comes? So it's just an evolving world. You really can just all all you can do is really focus on bettering yourself all the time, right. and then staying in touch and communication. So whenever something happens, I mean, let's face it. Even with the guys joining the Big Twelve last week, yeah, that they were they were nimble and ready to go like all of us were, but it was. Uh, no one knew that date was coming. It was just, hey, as soon as Texas OU happened, the Big 12 finally said we're looking to go. And, you know, they happened to, in, in this case, really take four teams that were performing at a pretty good level in football at that moment. So I guess the, the strategy is to keep your resume as updated and as, and as good as possible, right? Because you don't know when the call is going to come and you have to keep all options open, right? Yeah, you're right. It's a good analogy. I mean, it's just like anyone, any of us need to keep our. Uh, uh, resumes updated, and, and in, in the case of us, you know, obviously trying to be as aggressive as we can to continue to to show and demonstrate the the I would I would call it comprehensive excellence of our of our program. Uh, obviously, we can't sugarcoat it. The last three years of football have been way below par or expectations for for any of us, and we've got to address that. And I think everyone knows we we have. We've made the coaching changes. We've added significant resources into our staff to. Uh, hopefully bolster recruiting and help our staff, coaching staff be as good as they can be. Uh, obviously the new indoor performance facility is a yep. huge thing that we needed for many, many years that we're, we're proud to get. And now with all the aggressive work we're doing on a stadium and a football ops building is going to, you know, speaks speaks volumes to what our commitment is, but it also is just something that our, our coaches need to be able to deliver and our players need to prepare. And so, but you also can look to ways to, uh, update things just like the AAU news was huge for us as university people yes, presidents, yeah. presidents vote on this stuff and they, yeah. they they love to see USF being at the highest echelon of uh, academia here in the United States and and then it, just like as you reported on before a couple weeks ago JP when you look at uh, you know evaluating the Learfield Cup when which really kind of evaluates athletic departments as a whole you know during the first 10 years of the American USF finished second Houston finished first they're moving on there's no shame next. In, 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 in that being second in terms of the comprehensive excellence, and we got to get our act together in football, <laughs> which is why you're here today. To exactly. Help raise That's we're going to raise some money. <laughs> By the way, you can go online and you can bid on some of these things we're going to put out there. Some great packages out there, trips with the team. It's fantastic, uh, once in a lifetime opportunities. So go online to USF Football website and you can uh, you can bid on some of those items. Yep. Um, so with the new stadium coming online. Um, this has always been, you know, I've been, I've been here 27 years covering sports. And there was, you know, when I first got here and I covered Florida State um, intimately for 12 years while I was in Tallahassee, and I got here and I'm saying, okay, this is just, there's a different level here of commitment, you know, from upper, upper management, so to speak. I get the feeling that with real law, and this is nothing against the past regimes, they did what they were doing more for an academic uh, focus. That's great. That's where it should be in a lot of ways. But to move this university forward, it was my opinion, and I believe yours as well, that you had to move the athletic department. I saw it firsthand at Florida State. When I first got there, it was it was low level. As the football exploded there, you know, when I was there, you, you get 800, you can get in Florida State. Now, my son needed a 1400 to get in. So the academics came along with everything else, but the right. football program and Bobby Bowden 
led it that way. It became a big-time university. The academics got better. Everything got better. Now USF is kind of was kind of behind on that, but now with what you've done with these facilities, it feels like now the commitment is there. The on-campus is coming there. You feel a diff, at least I do from the outside looking in, feel a different commitment to what's going on here. That that's it has to be needed to keep up with the Joneses, especially in this state. Yeah, you described it extremely well, JP. I mean, when I was here before, when you were kind of getting started back in, you know, back when we were just starting football. Yeah. That was a different feel. We knew we were at a different stage of evolution. It was great to see our program, you know, get get to different heights. But uh, but you're right. When I was recruited back here, looking into the future and realizing things that we needed to do, and seeing leadership continue to come on board and understand that. I mean, Dr. Genshaft was first, you know, put me on the on the cabinet at the university level. That was the first time the AD had been at that level, yeah. which it needs to be. Uh, then obviously to have a corral and now law. Uh, be, be able to continue to believe in that and, and really the leadership that comes from the, the board with, with Will Weatherford fully realizing what we need to do and, and helping guide, uh, he along with Rhea, uh, guiding the rest of the university to, yeah. to to realize just how important it is that, that that you can be great in both academics and athletics, that we've obviously achieved extremely high marks in, in academia that we would have never dreamed of happening this fast, but they did it because they invested, because they stayed focused on something. And now we've got to do the same thing in, in athletics, and and we are. And I know it feels like, you know, can you say it's too late? Or it's not. It's never too late, as you just said. You, you never know when this next. That's right. Yeah, today's the first know. round of the next realignment. It could more is going to happen tomorrow. More is going to happen a year from now, three years from now. It doesn't. It's never going to really stop. And and, and you know, in a, in a big scheme of things, when you look at history as a whole. You know, it's still a relatively young program, and this is just our time now to really, uh, you know, responsibly and healthily uh, go into it and really go guns a blazing in terms of investing in our athletic program. And I'm very appreciative of our university support. And it takes, you know, not just it can't all be on the university. It comes from right. the support from the fans, and and we've got some loyal uh, folks that have been with us from the very beginning. And now we got to keep growing the stampede to make sure if uh, hey, if we want we want that the, the highest level of athletics here in the Tampa Bay uh, marketplace. We're, we're, we're the ticket. We've been successful at different times, but this is the time to, to, to invest because yeah. we've got to get it going, and it's, it's really cool that we've got some cool things coming online with the stadium and everything else. I, I've always felt that, you know, in, in a lot of professional sports, teams win, the fans come. In college sports, you need to create an atmosphere to win, yeah. and I think that's why it's incumbent upon the USF fans, and it's hard. You know, when you're not winning at the level, really you know, it's hard to get people to come to games. I get it. But I, I tell the USF fans all the time, you guys got to be out there. You got to create that atmosphere where players want to come play here, yep. even if it's you know it's not a winning product that hasn't been for the last few years. You got to get that atmosphere going. That'll be easier, I think, with an on-campus stadium. But you got a few years before that happens. Yeah. And, you know, we got to we got to fill yeah, the James Stadium. We got to turn the corner now. We got to uh, be able to uh, you know part of it goes with the uh, performance, and, and yep. Alex knows that, and he's focused on that. Uh, but then you're right, and, and the other unique thing about college atmospheres is the students, right? Yes, so we, we've got to get them going. Of, well, there's not a lot of revenue to come associated with that. We still have to double down on our uh, efforts to get students out to the games, which will absolutely be incredible when we get on yeah. campus, make oh, it a lot easier for them. Yeah. But that's even why some people come to game college games, even opposed to the pros, because they like the atmosphere exactly. it's created by the spirit yes. and passion of college fans. So. It's kind of incumbent on, hey, it's incumbent on the university to continue to invest everything they can. It's incumbent on my staff and I, to, to our coaches, to deliver the best product for us to raise as much money as we can, but to also instill the, the passion of, of students to come 
and then fans to stay continue to stay loyal to us and keep coming out because we've got folks again they've been there since 1997, yes, which, we, right. which we appreciate. And you're right, it's very hard. And I understand if I'm asking some folks for for money and they see the performance the last three years, they like, come on, Mike, you might yeah. what's going on, and, and it's like, but unlike you're right, unlike uh, pros where maybe a maybe a uh, really wealthy owner can just keep injecting dollars. It's like we got to have it from our alums from the local yeah, marketplace. Especially with NIL. You have to have faith. So really the worst thing you can do, if you're mad at the performance, the worst thing you can do is back <laughs> out back. now yeah. uh, and, and, and just kind of have faith that when you see the new IPF and you see the plans coming together for the stadium and I think when you see the kind of uh, I just think the kind of the edge, the passion, the work ethic that, that, that I think people are starting to realize and feel from Alex is, yes. uh, is what we need here, and, and I think it's permeating uh, through the community. Uh, yeah, it I is. Mean, he, he's he's not going to take uh, you know he's going to give everything he's got to win. I think people are starting to see that. I love it. Uh, Michael Kelly joining us, USF athletic director. I'm sure you saw the bill working its way through Congress um, to bring NIL under an umbrella mm-hmm. and some other things as well. I, I get nervous when government gets involved, but it's something that's needed. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody's got to pull all of this together. What is your first impression of the bill? What do you like? What don't you like? Well, I spent a couple of days in Indianapolis this week with the NIL working group kind of at the NCA and, and had a lot of discussions on it. I, you know, I'm encouraged to see a bipartisan bill come together that's at least addressing it. It can't all rely on government, like you said. The, U- the NCA has to put something in place, and it's not going to be perfect no matter what kind of right. guidance they put in, whether it's a national registry, whether it's a, a standardized contract, not necessarily by in terms of dollar amounts, but at least in terms right. of the same things to protect the kids and, and have businesses know what they're working with and kind of kind of shed a little bit of sunlight on the uh, on the marketplace just so that all this can kind of settle out. We have settle no out. idea right. what's yeah. going so on. Right, yeah, so you never really know what's happening. If, and even if not, there's never going to be 100% compliance. I'm sure some different uh, penalties or incentives aren't going to make it perfect, but it's got to be better than the kind of data we have now. So right. something's got to be done. I applaud uh, Charlie Baker, who I've gotten to know the last couple of months, who I feel is, uh, you know, he knows that. He, he knows there's got to be, you know, the NSA, we, we as a collective organization probably dropped the, did drop the ball by not putting in better guardrails. It's a mess right now. Yep. Got to do something to bring bring it there, but not taking, you know, the the, the, the aspect of, these young people having a chance to capitalize on name, image, likeness is fine, but let's get back to what's name, image, likeness as opposed to what's shrouded as pay for play. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and it, it, it's got to be hard for you guys to keep up in USF because the dollars that are going in NIL money, yeah. I'm sure USF is, is far behind in this because that's just the nature of the yeah. beast of these bigger programs. And, and, they have bigger boosters who've been there longer, they're richer. They're yeah, their maturity and their generational yeah, wealth exactly. makes a big generational difference. Generational wealth, yeah. And, uh, but again, our, our, our fans are listening to the, to the message. I, I wish I could be like Florida and probably say, hey, don't worry about giving to the annual right. fund, just give to the NIL. For us, we truly need it all, and, and, and you really have to give where your passion is. And some people get it, kind of see the business aspect of what's happening in the NIL and, trying to, and really want to support those kids in that manner. Great, do that. We need it. We need everybody to do it. Yeah. Some, you know, still don't aren't comfortable with that, but they do believe in the vision of the stadium, vision of what kids need. You know, we've always, since I've gotten here, we've had to improve our nutrition program. We've had to improve, you know, facilities. We've had to improve uh, the way we travel. So all those things are happening because of the generosity of donors directly to the program. And now there's opportunities to be able to, you know, go straight to the kids, and and uh, we need it because it's just the reality of how people are uh, ultimately retaining their rosters, and, and uh, it's got to be got to be a part of it. Well, according to Twitter, you're going to be in a Pac-12 tomorrow, so right. congratulations. It's yeah, always right. Twitter's always right. The West Coast flights are there. But, uh, but, 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 but to that point, I mean, obviously you got to stay, stay nimble and see, see what yes. happens, explore every yeah. option. So Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs>
Michael, thanks so right. much. Go Re- press the flesh. Get Re- some money. Let's Re- go. Breakfast at Tampa. Let's- there's, there's 9 a.m. Uh, <laughs> kicks. Right? I'd love to just come right in. Well, it's reports coming on. We're gonna- Thank you, Michael. Appreciate I'll come back it. in an hour. We'll talk about the other conferences. That's right. <laughs> It'll all be changed. It'll all be changed. Thank you so much. All right. Uh, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back and uh, finish things up here as we get set to tee off. Boy, my game's in a shambles. It's, it's bad. It's bad. I don't, nobody's going to want me on their team this year, so who knows. But we'll have some fun with it. Uh, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back on the other side and um, chat about what Michael said, BJ said, and uh, we'll talk about college football expansion coming up. Stay with us. coverage can be confusing and expensive. I mean, where do you start? Which companies can you count on to pay out fast and fair? Well, call the great folks at Italiano Insurance. It's a family-owned business. Jeff and Nat Italiano are carrying on the 60-year-plus tradition of giving amazing customer service and giving back to the community through their annual backpack drive for needy students and their support of the local pediatric cancer patients. But it's the customer service that sets them apart. They can shop all your insurance needs and save you big-time money. Don't hop on the Internet and waste time looking at some bogus reviews. Talk to knowledgeable agents and not some voice-generated robot. These are confusing times for homeowners, and Italiano's team of experienced professionals can provide the right coverage for every situation, home, auto, business, life. It's Italiano for all the pieces of your life. Call 813-877-7799 or go to italianoinsurance.com. Well, Fitz the Mortgage Guy did it again. A listener heard his ad was going to another big bank but called Scott Fitzgerald at American Mortgage Services of Tampa and Fitz saved him $618 on his monthly payment. Are you kidding me? Folks, that's big money. Rates are going up. They're going down. They're going all over the place. Scott will shop your loan and save you lender fees and get the best rates. Email him, scott at amstampa.com, or call 813-294-7595. That's Fitz the Mortgage Guy. Lots of stuff going on right now, and these rates are going all over the place. You need somebody knowledgeable in the market that will work hard for you and get you the best deal. That's my man, Scott. He's done three loans for me, done thousands of loans for local folks here, works with a lot of the coaches and players in the area. He's the guy. 813-294-7595 or go to scott at amstampa.com. During COVID, over 1.7 million people were added to the Florida Medicaid rolls, but as of April 1st, 2023, most of these people may not be eligible for the Medicaid coverage and will lose their health plan. If you have been notified you are losing your coverage, don't freak out. It's very likely you can apply for a federal subsidy under the Affordable Care Act. Just call 877-652-0244. Our representatives will walk you through the whole process, get some basic information on your income, number of kids, and then they'll find a plan that best fits your needs. In fact, with the new laws, 90% of Americans qualify for reduced or free health care. You can select great plans like Florida Blue, that's my carrier, love them, paying $800 left after making the call. 877-652-0244. Our highly trained professionals know all the intricacies of the new laws. They will do all the work. You save tons of money. So if you're being dropped from Medicaid, fear not. Call 877-652-0244. Get real health insurance, free doctor visits, free blood work, no deductibles. 877-652-0244. Hey, JP here for Extravaganza Productions Incorporated, EPI. You've probably seen their purple logo at so many events that you've gone to. They are based in Tampa. 
And for over 33 years, they've been creating and producing conferences, meetings, and special events, the biggest to the smallest, solid reputation of delivering the best audiovisual, sound, lighting, entertainment, video production, and decor on time and on budget. I've worked with them with so many big events. The Warrior Games, which was an Olympic-style event all over uh, Tampa Bay, from McDill to the Convention Center to USF, they did it flawlessly, made it look big and fantastic. I've worked with them on small events as well, uh, large and small meetings and conferences, sporting events, fundraisers. If you got a fundraiser, you don't know the logistical way to pull it off, they'll take care of everything. Entertainment events, branding events, grand openings, so much more. The folks at Extravaganza Productions are the most professional and the best. I've worked with them many times. They are fantastic. You can contact them through extravaganzaproductions.com or call 813-621-4700. Extravaganza Productions. They are awesome. Pure, pure sports. JP is back on. Welcome back. Fan stream sports. All right, welcome back here as we are uh, wrapping things up here at the TPC of Tampa Bay, the USF Football Foundation. Going to raise some money for the foundation today, get uh, some more equipment for these guys. Uh, it's, it's not NIL money. That, that, that's something else that needs to be... Uh, Picked up for for USF. We'll see where, where the uh, the new emphasis goes. But it's as Michael said, it's kind of weird now because they're asking donors for you know for money for the foundation, for the you know the infrastructure, the stadium, the indoor practice facility, and then you know you also have to use that money to retain your players as well. So and that's that's a whole other pot of money that goes into it. So um, that's another weird dance that these universities are having to go through. Um, it's, College football. Yeah, I mean, I, I get it. I mean, he said it. It's hard to convince people to, to spend with their dollars to a program that has been, you know, very unsuccessful over the past few seasons. But you got to start somewhere. And you can't, and like he said, the worst thing to do right now is to jump off the ship. Right. Because then right. you're only going to make problems worse, and you're going to essentially just put the nail in the coffin that you're never going to get to where you want to be. And I think every program around the country is trying to put together the best package to get to where they want to be. That includes USF, and the fan base has got to be on board. They have to. You have got to create an atmosphere if you want to have a great program. And it, it kind of sounds ridiculous, but uh, is it any more ridiculous than USC and, and UCLA going to the, uh, to the, to the, the Big 12? In Big Ten, I mean, right. all these yeah, these 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 big, um, you know, poor programs that are you never thought they would ever go to these other, you know, East Coast, West Coast, West Coast, East Coast. You never thought you would see that, um, and now you're seeing it. So, I mean, the news that they put in paperwork for the Pac-12, it's not, you know, it's it's standard operating procedure. Right. If you're not in a Power Five conference and you want to get into these super conferences, you better be doing your due diligence and putting in paperwork because it. You know, if you don't put your resume in, you're not going to get the job. That's for sure. Right. So. And, you, and if you compare USF to just to those programs that enter the paperwork, and those are probably all the programs that are trying to get into the Power Five, how many of those programs are, is USF realistically in front of right now? Right? It's like the question there. And, like, I would venture to say, like, not many of well, the, the ones that are is, there. The, the thing, and I think Michael said it best, is it, it's one thing to we, – we're going to, you know, every program is going to be – probably judged by their football program right correct but that's not really the way they look at it from a from a conference standpoint they look at their overall athletic programs and what they can bring to the table they also look at the size of the universities they look at the geographic 
Well, uh, yeah, spot to the size and geographic wise, I think USF has that going for them. Huge, huge. They're top twenty-five in terms of size of uh, enrollment, right? In the in in the nation, yeah. Um, obviously, a very desirable geographic position in Florida. So you, you know, people look at the football program. Oh, you know, wow, USF. How are they going to get into a conference? They're not as good as UNLV. Well, yeah, they are. They're more attractive than UNLV because they're they bring a bigger TV market. They bring a bigger presence in a bigger state. And uh, in, a, in a talent-rich state where you could do re- more recruiting, so yeah, which that's like, it's kind of like when I think about it, like like a, like a Boise State, for example. Like we always put Boise State at the front of the line when it comes to expansion, but at the end of the day, it's Boise, Idaho. Right? So how how it's valuable? No how valuable None. from that standpoint, geographic size, all that things is Boise State. Now they win football games, but that's not going to bring not even you money. The, but not even at the rate that they did before. Right. If they were winning eleven exactly. football games like they did a decade ago, maybe it's a little different. No, but they, yes, market size is much more important than so much of this other stuff because right. that brings television households. You say, well, is there a lot of people watching USF football? Well, not right now, but when they were in the top twenty-five and the top ten, there was tons of eyeballs on them. So, and there you got it. And if you're expanding at a conference, you're going to. Expand with the eye on the future, saying, you know, at some point this 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 is going to be a good program, and they get the right coaching, it could be right around the corner. Yep. Who knows? All right, our thanks to BJ Daniels and Michael Kelly, athletic director, who joined us today. We will be back on Monday. We will be live from training camp again with the Buccaneers. So uh, go Rays this weekend against the Astros. Boy, they need a couple of wins, and hopefully uh, on Monday we're talking about Paul Goldschmidt being in that lineup. Let's pray. We'll see you then. Have a great day, everybody.